kind of recording this backwards so we've already recorded the podcast called it reunion i think it's a reunion myself martin andy steve goodwin joined in you know we're all quarantined up so we just thought we'd just jump on a call you know resurrect some of the old energy from the old days it's not quite the same as the full you know in-person experience but wow Whew, i am i am legit drained from doing it so when people say, why did it stop? Now you kind of understand why, because it takes a lot out of us to be, you know, 10 out of 10 in our performance. So what I can say is I hope you enjoy it. I hope this helps your work from home go through smoothly. And if you are working, I really hope this helps you get through the day. Uh, we're three hours in. I can't even break it up because I don't know where the logical breakpoints are. But I fell off the call a few times. Andy fell off the call a few times. It was so guerrilla. But what we wanted to do was just, number one, we wanted to get back together as a three. And number two, you know, we just wanted to help you guys get through the day as well with a, a podcast that put a smile on your face. So let us know what you think. You know, hopefully you enjoy it. Hopefully you get stuck in. Hopefully the audio quality is good. I'm going to do my best to make sure that we, you know, we get it to the, the Andy White levels of quality. But look, for now, just enjoy three guys plus Steve Goodwin, you know, reuniting. Thanks very much, guys. Just enjoy. Don't you be my, my, my nan died a long time ago. Now, listen, I know, I know I someone remember. sold you some tea leaves and they told you it was weed, man. Come on. <laughs> That's the university days. <laughs> so, at least I'm going to my on... bag. I'm, I'm lucky dipping it, right? So, I've got a selection of booze in my oh, bag. Right, yeah. So, I'm doing the guy's clothes. Guys, mm-hmm. I really hope that doesn't sound like what I end up hearing it like, which is you just smashed a load of bottles on the floor. No, it was called out a Ruby Rooster. Ruby Ale. Mm-hmm. Right, let's go with that. We'll start mm-hmm. there. Someone sat in an office and said, let's call this Ruby Rooster. Why? I don't know, mate. Ask Lidl. <laughs> but make mine buy it, so obviously it wasn't a terrible marketing decision. <laughs> right, Andy, you know we're, gonna, we're both relying on you to keep this like to some kind of structure. You know that, don't you? I mean, yeah, of sorts. That's about the closest thing to a use that I have on here. So how how are you two coping whilst you're locked down, mate? Penitentiary rules right now. Oh, tell you what, Martin, how are you coping? Probably the most sensible thing to do. Um, I think I started all this with a bit of a laissez-faire attitude of let's just carry on, and then. Very, very quickly and swiftly, it's like, mm, no, you can't really do that. You're not allowed. Social norms and what have you. But 
I played badminton last night, and I'm playing again tomorrow. Um, and then they're showing badminton centre, so I'm not playing at all after that. But yeah, it's it's weird, isn't it? It's a really weird time, but it's like there's something around the corner, but no one really knows what it is. A big old dose of corona. Yeah, um, yeah. Terry. So things I've learnt, like. Pornhub are really slow on updating whatever it is. Like, you know what? If you've if you've just got one clearly defined lane on Pornhub, yeah, and you're just hitting most recent, it's a really disheartening experience. So <laughs> that's what humanity's learned. That's like, what we've learned. So you end up so 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 you know what you do? You end up just going onto like the Russian sites, hoping that they don't have the same copyright protection processes. And so you're like, I'm hunting for shit in Russian now. And you're just hoping that they've got something fresh. It's bad, man. Like, I feel I'm, I'm, it's like being a crackhead at pornography. It's, it's not a good look. But I can't, I can't be the only one. Only on day two, and you completed the UK. Because <laughs> you know it does that thing, right? You know on Pornhub, it does that thing. It goes recommended for you. Mate, I had to reset my cookies. Like, it, it got so toxic. I had to reset my cookies. <laughs> have you tried, have you tried VPN in it, Twitterly? But it's the same shit, just in a different language. No, no, because Italy, they've made Pornhub, um, like, Plus or Pro or whatever it is, the subscription version. They made it for free for all of Italy while they're on lockdown. Ah, uh, listen, they had that. They, 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 they had that on Valentine's Day. So yeah, they, they've made it free for everybody while the country's on lockdown. So if you can VPN into Italy, then you can get free premium Pornhub. We're, we're, we're playing dangerous games here, Martin. I mean. You just said that you've gone into Russian sites. This is no work. Or you continue playing badminton until everyone's infected. We go into lockdown. Ah, now I see what you're doing it. Now I see. That was your laissez-faire attitude all along because yeah. ultimately you knew what what you knew was what was at stake. I'll catch you in a proper lockdown time. <laughs> you got to do the hard work. Still makes me still makes me chuckle every now and again. It pops into my head that I can't even remember what, in what context it was. It doesn't really matter. But it was someone's comment to something on Twitter that you relayed to me, which was, "I'll be more fucked than a stepmom on Pornhub." Terry, <laughs> <laughs> um, who's your biggest hardship being, you know, running out of porn? Listen. I can't listen. There, there are people listening to this, right? Then there are people out there right now who have just worn their skin off the shaft. Let's 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 just tell the truth. Oh. It, it's just bare flesh, which just flies and maggots and shit. And it's just like one more. You know, you just said trying to squeeze one more out. One more. <laughs> is this is this one of the lack of toilet roll around the country? Just wiping up sperm, mate. I'm on thirty nine rolls. <laughs> You just got one absolutely rock hard sock that you just use. Like Terry's, Terry's got thirty nine rolls. He had seventy on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely minging. How long have we not had a podcast for? 
and then this is what we've started on. Within within eight minutes, we've, well, probably about half of those eight minutes have been talking about some way about Terry wanking, which is, <laughs> which is exactly what about how good the quality of uh, content that it was we used to put out in the first place. So. But, but wait, wait, but let's talk about the supermarkets because I I wrote this on Facebook earlier. This is the first time we've actually found out what people like to eat, right? Because when you look at the shortages, right? all the like, all that was left in the meat section, tripe. All that was left in the gluten-free section, everything. All that was left in the vegan section, everything. Which lets us know that, you know, maybe people can tolerate gluten in a way that they didn't think they could. Power positive thinking. Um, what was it? Uh, all the pizza gone except for Hawaiian. That's, no one's touching that, are they? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's emergencies and then there's emergencies. I'd probably I mean, eat one of my pets before I went down that route. <laughs> but you can pull the pineapple off. No, you can't. It's polluted forever. Well, on the subject of supermarkets, it's probably a very poignant uh, opportunity to touch on if you're going out mass buying, what are you allowed to take as a snack? Oh, okay. So, I mean, so are we because just we're ending in the whole hundred pound limit? Yeah, we're in we're in different times now. We're in a new world, and where we previously had the the rule of one hundred pound equals something from you know the the bakery section. I think we need to reassess what is that limit now because although people shopping spend might be going up, their desire is also going up. And I think all these nice... Like, if you work for the NHS, you should only have to spend a tenner to take a sausage roll. Okay, that's interesting. I wonder if if you can even apply the logic that there's a lot of people that are rushing in, buying stuff, rushing out, so they're just, like, pumping money into the into the supermarket like they would never do before. Like, And they're not even, they're not even like, testing out grapes or anything. So on mass, the supermarkets are making a lot more. So per person, you could bring that limit, that hundred pound limit, right down. Agree, right and you're doing it, you're probably doing it more often as well. So if you're going in spending fifteen quid, you might be doing that every day. But <laughs> cumulatively, cumulatively, that cost is still the same. Do you know what's going to happen? That once we finally tackle coronavirus, there's going to be a nationwide fucking epidemic of scurvy because all people are eating is pot noodles and tin spaghetti from when they when they're stocking up from all the dry food. And three sausage rolls from the bakery. <laughs> but here's my question, right? Like, everyone's sort of planning for the, the apocalypse and not leaving their house for the next six months. But, mate, there's condoms top to bottom. Like, no one seems to have gone, gone ham on the condoms. <laughs> Like, why? I've had the snip, that's why. I'm going to say, I think you know why, Terry, to be fair. <laughs> because there's no way you can get a condom on a skin that raw. Because <laughs> you're not shagging, we know what you're doing. Mate, just call it, call it a skin graft. <laughs> this will allow me to go on. It's like, basically, they're not condoms anymore. They're just synthetic fucking skin for the worn-out oh, generation. You know, at some point, they're going to, you, you know, people are now going to expect us to touch on something boxing related. Oh, yeah. Oh, bollocks, yeah. I forgot about that. Um, Terry, are you working, are you working from home? 
well, <laughs> mate, I'm lo- I'm logged in. I'm willing to do whatever is required of me by my organisation. Define oh. work. Yeah, exactly. No, uh, well, we've all been sent home, right? So I'm now literally penitentiary rules where I- I'm in here 23 hours. I go out for an hour to exercise and buy food, come back, just doing push-ups in my, my living room, you know? <laughs> penitentiary rules. <laughs> walks to the front of the, uh, walks to the front of the door with his, um, with his pocket hanging out, just waiting for someone to... to become his bitch but I tell you what though on a side note like like females whatsapping me like like the graph is just exponential at the moment like a lot of a lot of things I left in the past man I think everyone's just getting lonely and you're just getting the hi you working from home what are you up to and one one response was simply avoiding you what I'm struggling with the coronavirus listen I'll cough on all of them you, you should have used it as an opportunity to try and bolster your uh, your porn library, given the porn hubs that you down. No, no, no. They're, they're more only fans than Pornhub, which is weird, isn't it? Here's the weird thing about life at the moment, right? You can get highly produced, high quality pornography for free on the internet, and you've got. Inst- Wait, wait, bear with me. Hold on, guys. And you get these women on Instagram directing you to an OnlyFans page where all they've got is a fucking phone camera and a bathroom mirror light. And I'm, like, I'm paying five quid a month for the lower quality product. How does that work? <laughs> I honestly do not know. There's so many questions. There's so many questions and there's so many things that I don't know about everything you just said. Oh, dear. Wow. Wow. So, should we move on to something box-related? <laughs> Might as well. <laughs> if we must. <clears throat> so, finally, um, now, people won't know this, but M- Martin and I actually have a podcast <laughs> to come out. Yeah, what have you done with that? Okay, right. Like, cards on the table. I've just been... Because this is ultimately because you wanted to tag on ropes off on the end of it, I've been too lazy. Um, I mean, I'd like to say, you know, something got in the way or whatever. There's been other things this week, don't get me wrong. Um, but I've just, yeah, I've, I've just been, I haven't been attentive enough. So I've got halfway through editing ropes off and I've gone, oh, yeah. You've so, never I'll, had more hours in the house than this week. This is no, hold on. I'm still at work. They have not closed down CFL. Oh, that's I'm doing, true, yeah. I'm still at work. Sorry. <laughs> and it doesn't look like I mean I spoke to my boss today and he was like uh, yeah t- tomorrow get the lads away because I, 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 I was off today but I went shopping for my granddad anyway that's a lot but anyway whatever <clears throat> I um, I spoke to my boss today we went get the lads away tomorrow we don't want to we don't want to get any more exposure to any anything that they possibly need right yeah brilliant and then it was suddenly right on Sunday like oh Sunday's happening. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Get, my, get the lads back in again. Get them exposed some more. So at the moment, it doesn't look like anything's changing. And I should be at work through the plague. Good. So, whatever. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, Boxing. What's going on? Yeah. What's going on? Finally, it, it stopped, didn't it? And in, in the, what I was going to say is, in our podcast, we talk about the fact that it's still rolling on. It's still it shows rolling how on. quickly things are moving. 
Yeah, the, in the space of what three, four days, everything has changed. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, I mean, but it's it's super interesting, right? Mean? Because because they've moved the football season out, so it starts to get on April thirtieth. So there's no Joshua fight at White Hart Lane because I imagine they'll still need a stadium. So what do you do with Joshua Pulev? You you can't rearrange it for the summer because, as Hearn has always said, July, August, they're dead in terms of big events. So do you put this out for sale? I'm really intrigued to see but, if Hearn takes it to Saudi again. By July, August time, we're going to be gagging for something, aren't we? Like, we're still going to have that appetite for sport. I don't see the Premier League season starting back, what, end of April. No, I, might, I might be wrong. I might be miles off, but that seems ambitious. But if you yeah. could fit in Joshua Pulev, you know, July time, and it all worked out, we're all going to be desperate, aren't we? Yeah, I, think, really I, I just want them to I stop the see. season. I genuinely want the season to stop, and Andy will agree with me, because I just want to know Liverpool don't win the league. Like, this is, oh. this is, this is how bad things had to go. Some mad scientist somewhere in the world had to create a virus to just stop Liverpool winning the league. It's just absolutely crazy at the moment in terms of the pain I feel about the football season. I'm just like, just stop it. <laughs> Please, just stop well, the season. Well, I can't remember the, 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 argu- the argument of it's the only, the only fair way to continue playing. Well, it seems fair to me to just end the season and null and void it. What was the, <laughs> what's the issue? Anyway, what's you the issue might not then? agree with me. You not... But in your head, you know you've picked out maybe two family members. You wouldn't mind losing to all of this if it means Liverpool don't win the league. <laughs> oh, wow. I have. I have. Well, two that. family members you're willing to sacrifice to the yep. football god. Yep. So, if yeah, it means Liverpool I'll, don't win the league. I want two things to happen out of all of this. I want Liverpool to not win the league. And I want Joshua to just fight once. Because I want to see Hearn sweating when those end-of-year numbers don't look the same as he thought they would. <laughs> well, uh, the thing, when you said about... The interesting thing you said about going to Saudi, um, I think there's a, the, the, other, the other element to this is the fact that the country is, what tactics it employs, is obviously going to make a massive difference to how quickly we we they whatever country we're talking about get over this and so in places like such as saudi we might be ready to uh, for example to be able to allow joshua to go ahead fighting by say june but other countries may not and we still might have to reduce and very much reel in traveling because you could reinfect the population again yeah but conversely other countries might have recovered quicker. That's true. So, but, but is there? Uh, we, I suppose there's, there's a limit to where else you could have that fight. Is there not? Mm, it depends. Who's got the money? Has China got the money? China's coming out of it, isn't they? That'd be fucking brutal, wouldn't it? Wow! Wow! They've gone to all this effort just to get Joshua Pulev. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I suppose, yeah, I suppose, uh, look, if Matchroom are that desperate, maybe they would. I don't know. Yeah. It sounds mental, but if someone said, you know that boxing match you can't have anywhere in your own country through uh, through fear of it being an absolute damp squid in terms of a financial, you know, financial hit, 
but you can come over here and we'll triple the amount of money that it's definitely going to get. Yeah, maybe it will happen. Well, I bet there's a country somewhere that's willing to risk their, you know, their well-being to some level to say, yeah, we'll take it. I bet you there is. Well, Terry, what, when, we, when we spoke earlier, when you just said about uh, Matron's financials coming in the year, well, I want to open that up more broadly. What implications did this have across boxing? I mean, we've spoken about it several times with mine in terms of small hall um, and in terms of the, the promoter's sort of scraping a living to some extent. What does this extended period of, of nothing do for the boxing scene at large? So, ladies and gentlemen, look, I want to be honest. Like, I want you to look deep inside yourselves. For £3 a month, you can enable a small hall boxer to get access to clean drinking water, at least one meal a day, and a protein bar, right? That's how bad things are going to get very soon. So, you know, think about all these small hall guys that, you know, you love so much, and they're having a hard time with it right now. So, look, if you can donate £3 a month until this crisis is over, we can make sure people get fed. I'm just playing. Look, it's it's bad in a lot of ways, right? But if you're a small hall boxer and you've predicated your annual income on just boxing alone, then you're a sucker for that for a start, right? Because you should know Agreed. that it's not lucrative and you should have a backup plan. And being a PT should not be your backup plan because, I mean, PTs are struggling right now, man. Like, they're all out in the streets selling the big issue. The people I do feel sorry oh. for... So I'll give you examples exactly. of people I feel sorry for, right? I feel sorry for Andre Sterling and Dan Aziz because that was a legit fight that should have happened. And I'm hoping that it means that they get to fight on a bigger stage. So hopefully Eddie Hearn pulls his finger out of his ass and puts that on a meaningful match from show. I feel for Isaac Chamberlain. Jesus, can the kid get a break? You know, <laughs> Isaac's lost two shows now because of this coronavirus. So he's not going to box again until the summer, which makes life hard. And, and so the list goes on. Ellie Scottney doesn't get to make her debut, and I was really excited by that. So I'm hoping what happens now is we reduce the number of shows that Hearn had planned for, and he just goes, I'm going to put all of these guys on the bigger cards I had planned because pay-per-view will clearly take priority. So I'd like to see that well, happen. already said Terry Avanessian will be merged into another fight somewhere. So that won't be a standalone show, the, um, the Josh Kelly-David Avanessian one which was dog shit as a card, like top to bottom, dog shit. Oh, yeah. I bet they're absolutely delighted that the fucking virus come around for that because probably sold about eight tickets. <laughs> he tried to save 5,000 tickets, and I was like, no, 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 no. The way these guys are still pushing tickets for sale, man, I, don't know if you, I don't know if you could fill your call at the moment. Yeah. It's a massive, like, generally, the the impact. I think we discussed this, Andy, on our one, so we may well be covering old ground, and then if you ever get it out. We recorded that Sunday. This is going to get out before our one. I'm going to split it. I'm going to split it. I'm going to put it out the same time as this. Why not? And then I'll, then I'll just make another rope. I'll, I'll, I'll finish rope top. Just whack this one out. It's fine. Um, but, yeah, the... I think we discussed it on our one, that football, for instance, is a high-demand sport. Sky, BT, Amazon, they're not going like, to cut football off. So they're going to keep some form of funding against the sport. Yeah. The sport will have to pay it back in time and, you know, fulfil its, its duties. 
boxing doesn't have that. Boxing's not going to have a baseline income. And I mean that from the small hall, probably, through to the biggest of shows. Like, does Sky really care if they don't get Josh Kelly, David Evanessian as a, a fight night show? No. No, like, they're not going to be paying a monthly, you know, almost retainer to boxing and to Hearn. Like, they will pay per show. With football, you're paying for the whole of the rights for it. With boxing, I don't believe that there is that same baseline level of income that's put against the sport. And that goes all the way down to the small hall shows. You know, if there's no small hall shows, then there's no income. And that could be crippling. Depends how long this goes on for. Like, it could be crippling at, at many levels because it, it ultimately comes down to if you can't provide a product, nobody's paying for it. With football, you wait it out. You know, the Sky still want to show the Premier League next season, even if this season's a, a washout. But isn't the with difference, though? But isn't the difference, Martin, that with football, like, if, if Nathaniel Klein doesn't play, he still gets paid, right? But luckily, yeah. Sky can just go, well, if we don't put on any shows it doesn't really cost us much in terms of having to pay the fighters. So, actually, your biggest overhead goes away. Yep. Will Sky not be paying... Will they have not paid Matchroom up front for rights to their their fights? So, theoretically, then have, whatever, 5, 10, 15 shows outstanding on a contract that's already been paid? Well, the contract runs out in May next year. That's when the contract's up. But it was so. If they will they have paid that up front, or will it be paid? Like what I'm saying is, will this be enough for Sky to pay go, for well, shows? Yeah, is it enough for us? To, can we walk away from this and actually we'll be better off? I, I just wonder if that would happen, or if they've got too much invested in it. Because we've spoken already about I've got nothing the, invested in it. So I mean, them think we've spoken before about the potential of Hearn going to the zone. If Sky think that is on the horizon now, do they go? Well, actually, you know what? Cut our losses and then drop him. Well, no, Andy, Andy, Eddie Hearn's going to the zone. Like, there's no is he going? So I had I did an interview yesterday with with Donald Smith, which I think part one's out now. I don't know what time I said it for, but I think part one's out now. And one of the things, the theory I've got at the moment is this. DAZN come into the UK and they buy up the BT non-boxing assets and they say, we need these rights in order to build a platform in the UK. They then get the, they pull their product back from Sky, they get Eddie Hearn, Sky now goes, we don't have matchroom, and Frank just jumps over to Sky with ESPN. And then suddenly BT get out of a, a sector that they had no business in in the first place, which is boxing. Sky get their boxing content back along with really big American fights. And then Sky and DAZN go head-to-head and go, right, let's find out who's got what. You really think BT want to walk away from sport altogether? They've invested a hell of a lot into it. But that was under the guise of a four-play system. So if we've got you coming to watch BT Sport, you'll get your broadband with us, you'll do this, you'll do that, and that hasn't worked out. So actually, this has become a massive noose around their neck because it's it's a non-core asset. BT's real business is corporate communications in terms of the infrastructure that corporations use to to trade, um, IP phones, all that stuff you see in offices. That's where BT makes its money, wholesale. It doesn't make its money on sport. So it could cut sports off and still carry on. But also, roll back what you just said there, Andy, about they've invested an awful lot of money in it. Have they? 
Like, well, have Champions League rights, for example. Okay, they had him to other sports. Have they in boxing? Yeah, I mean, I, I must confess, I don't know. I was using I was using football as a sort of like if they were willing to kick the door in when it came to Champions League, right? I assume they've been pretty aggressive in uh, like grabbing other sports rights that were previously held by other presumably other other broadcasters. You don't think the zone would just pay them and go, look, we'll, we will pay you pro rata what's left on your contracts. I, I don't. I, I'm not dismissing the the possibility of that, it, but it only rings. True. If BT, if BT genuinely want to get out of the game, it would be like an exit plan for them. Oh, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, like parachute out of it. But I wasn't aware that that was something they were looking to do. And given how aggressively they got into the market to start with, I then therefore assumed that it was something they would want to stay in for the long term. They're looking for a way out. So I know that from guys who work for BT, they're looking for a way out. As if they can, if they can leave sport having broken even, they'd leave tomorrow. That's interesting. So maybe that is the case then. Maybe maybe we do look at a future where you've got the zone matchroom going head to head for for I don't know, boxing dominant status in the UK. But what happens to but the zone would be matchroom? Sorry, I mean by the uh, zone versus uh, Sky. Thank you. Um, but so what happens to boxing below that? Is what I said earlier, MTK. There is no income against it. I think MTK will end up on Sky. I'd be shocked if not. When Hearn jumps ship, which will be May next year, and I don't believe any element of doubt about that at all. I believe he'll be gone. Whether they take the darts and the well, no one gives a shit about the rest of the stuff, the table tennis and the whatever happened to the gymnastics. <laughs> uh, yeah. Whether they take the darts and the other products, I don't know, but the boxing will go. And so at that point, Sky have that void. Whether they take Warren, you know, Terry's fairly confident that they would. No idea. But I'm confident that even if they took Warren, they would also be taking MTK. Because they've already started partnering with them in terms of the... Uh, uh, the Golden Contract shows. MTK put on best shows, um, you know, people-wise, fight-wise, that aren't regularly shown on TV. Um, you know, their their shows, they have such a, a, a huge budget to put fights on and shows on, they put the best ones on. Can I just jump and in so for a they, second? I think one of the things I wanted to say, and for the people listening, I think one of the things we should do on this show, Martin Andy, is we should pat ourselves on the back as well because, well, we're, what, 3.8, 3.9 years into doing this as a three? We've been fucking right about a lot of things, haven't we? You know? Yeah, ignore the wrong ones. But... No, 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 but... No, our <laughs> correct to incorrect ratio is insane. And if you remember... I remember, I was talking about, I was talking about coronavirus this time last year. I remember, I remember... <laughs> Andy, 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 look, look, stop pretending, right? The government have told all ex-soldiers to get ready, haven't they? You're about to turn us into a military state. That's why you're still working. Yeah, that is I'm just ready. Yeah. Martial law with Whitey on the street. <laughs> Can you imagine him walking around with Bear? Everyone else first. <laughs> 
No, I really can't. <laughs> I'm like a some sort of lead with a wearing my full uniform and carrying a rifle. One hundred percent, you would take the dog with you, but just not to Bolton. 100%. You have to get an honorary van. <laughs> But no, no, I want to touch on this MTK thing. I remember, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, I said something on the lines of the future of small hall boxing is small hall boxer in Manchester fighting small hall boxer from Birmingham at a small hall show in London. And Steve said it could never work. And then MTK said, hold my beer. And, <laughs> and, 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 no, no, and, and I know people go, oh, he's having a dig at Steve, which I'm not. For the record, Martin, if you see Steve, tell him next time he's in London, I'm happy to grab a beer with him. You know, let's all start again. But I think my point with MTK was what MTK did is they solved the big inefficiency in the small hall market. It was that you had big sellers in different locations and they never faced each other because it never made sense. And now MTK have said, now it does make sense. You know, you could get Hosea Burton versus Andre Sterling if things kind of play out that way. And I think that's been good because what it's done is it's, it's now said small hall boxers, there's a way for you to get big fights. And if you perform, there's a way for you to get on TV, be it Sky, be it BT Sport, which I think is good for the sport. So, they, so, so the potential then after this, because of the situation that small hall has been forced into, from a financial standpoint, that we could see almost, I don't know, almost like a, a small hall union putting, putting small hall shows on in unison or as partnerships. No, or M- as MTK have together. negated that. No, MTK have negated that. So MTK have said, we're going to take a group of guys. I'm going to just pick names at random here. So someone like uh, Hosea Burton, right? So Hosea Burton could do well enough in this golden contract that we go, well, I'd quite like to see Hosea Burton against Joshua Boatze, or I'd like to see him against Craig Richards. And that can now happen. So Hosea Burton would have fought a York Hall uh, quarter semi-final and then jumped straight onto a Sky main event. And that can could I ha- throw, Can I throw a fly in the ointment there? Yeah. Do you remember at the uh, outset of this golden contract stuff? Yeah. The winner we were told, was going to get a six-figure contract with a major promoter. Wasn't it six-figure purses? Oh, yeah, it might have been, actually. <laughs> it was six-figure purses, which I thought, what? <laughs> Either way, yeah, I want to see the receipts for that, similar to the uh, the Tyson Fury homeless person donation. <laughs> similar to How the many homeless Fury. people give receipts? So, Similar to Tyson Fury Wild Ball receipts, that's what I'm after. <laughs> so I'm confident that the I fight... Think I'm a drinking, man. Mate, I'm, I'm about, I think, three quarters of a litre in. Nice. Yeah. This how, is... how far we got before the, How far we got before another lucky dip, mine? I've already gone back, but Terry was talking, so I, I chucked it in earlier, I picked out a Peroni. Oh, right, this really is a random... Yeah, you really are hopping across, man. Wow. No, so, like, Andy and I have got a... uh, We're going to do a bit of a gaming session Saturday night with another mate. Well, Nate. Um, Yeah. Okay, okay, Uh, okay. Thanks, guys. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You're invited. Real mates only. Come along. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, you're you're definitely invited. Are you a PS4 guy or an Xbox guy? Not that it matters, but uh, clearly Pornhub Premium guy. <laughs> Wait a minute! Didn't, didn't we have half an episode once where you debated getting a PS4? <laughs> oh yeah, and you were trying to get it, and it was like it was in it was getting shipped over by a donkey or something. It was taking forever. It came with coronavirus. Yeah, it's, it's still quarantined. <laughs> but they're going to launch the PS5, though, aren't they? So I'm now sat like, do I just wait for the PS5? Well, yeah, you, you probably want to. You probably want to wait until after the depression for the next two years. I'd imagine you're going to be good offers in about three months, mate. <laughs> um, yeah. So. So. I've no idea where we were there, but no, I'm uh, golden contract, know. six-figure purses. <laughs> yeah, I'm not having. I'm not having that for a minute. Like you cannot tell me. Let's look at who's probably going to win it: Mahara Davis, um, Jose Burton, Jose Burton. They're two people that couldn't, didn't make a cut with matches. <laughs> <laughs> so M- Martin, yeah. Martin, no, can- I needed to reword that. <laughs> if you feel the need to, yeah. Uh, didn't make the cut with Matchroom <laughs> for whatever reason. For whatever reason. So for Davis, you know, it was the whole falling out with Liverpool thing, and he got chucked under the bus. But fine, I, I accept that entirely. Um. But they happily let him go, and he went to Warren, and by all accounts, he's not set the world alight. Hosea Burton has pretty much been, like, just blackballed by Matchroom, and nothing, nothing at all. Now, you can't tell me that each of them is going to start getting six-figure purses on the back of beating Tyrone McKenna. Can I I give you a theory on that? I believe that the purses are real. I just suspect the boxers won't see all of it. They won't see the majority of it. It's just my theory. The management fee might, the management fee might be uh, high. I think it's very... Look, you need really good management, and really good management's expensive in order to get those six-figure contracts. So you need real expertise, you know, real, real heavyweight muscle in the management game to, <laughs> to get a six-figure purse. So it comes with costs. You, you need Rick Romman. <laughs> Well, I'm, going, I'm going back to the lucky dip. Oh, okay. This is oh, Jesus Christ! It really does sound like a lot of smashing of glass. What's another Peroni? That's all right. Okay, you've gone stable. Stable. Claire is set outside the uh, room that I'm currently sat in, so I'm gonna have to give it up. I think. Give what up? The podcast or the beer? <laughs> wife <laughs> so okay we've covered um effects on potentials for small holes uh, small holes we've covered what might happen in the next 12 months of boxing what happens in regards to the the wider mechanics of boxing as we've talked about before um there's a lot of things that like, I'm just, I'm just going to spitball here. You've got Canelo, who won't fight on the 5th of May, or whenever it was, 2nd of May, or whenever it was. So that'll, that'll get mothballed. But will he therefore only fight 
when he fights in Mexican Independence Day or whatever weekend, what will happen with um, mandatories going forward? Will there be special exceptions in in regards to okay, you've got to drop this fight, and then you, you will will Dillian White, for example, be the mandatory in twenty twenty one, or will that get moved because they'll make special dispensations for it? All of this, I feel, is going to be a lot of it's going to be loaded with with maybe maybe some lobbying from certain parties. What do we foresee happening as uh, things start moving forward again and people start exploiting this situation for opportunities? I want to see people get stripped. (laughs) If you haven't defended it (laughs) by, like, end of March and you were due to, you should get stripped. Just seeing boxers climbing through other boxers' windows in isolation just so they can defend it, like... Having an absolute them in their bedroom. Right, <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so tell you, what, what do you see happening? What's, what's no, you know? So, it, it, it's that classic thing, isn't it? You know, like when, when trains are late and you get that knock-on effect, so, you know, the, there's just this massive logjam because it's not down to whether the fighters want to fight. It's down to whether the broadcasters can find slots to put them on. So Joshua's got to be pay-per-view. Didion's got to be pay-per-view. Chisora's got to be pay-per-view. So if this gets pushed out to the end of May, you're trying to get those three pay-per-views in the second half of the year. And with all the build-up associated, don't forget Fury Wilder will be in the mix there at some point, so you want to avoid that noise as well. It's, it's looking hairy as hell for everyone. I just think financially, this is, this is the year a lot of people are going to have to just write off and hope 2021 is a better year. But it's it's good in a way, because if you look at what's happened now, the lack of, like, that churn of IFL and Rodent TV and Seconds Out and Behind the Gloves, <laughs> all, I'm glad that's all stopped. And what I want to see now for the next few weeks is Sky Sports just going into the archives. You know, let's watch Foch Groves too. Let's let us let us go back on some of these cars that we thought were great and let's watch them with cold, clear perspective. Because Sky have got the library to keep themselves going as of BT. So we don't have to watch fights that we don't care about. So I'm looking forward to that part of it while we go through the crisis. But I think it's yeah, just going to be more of the same. You want to play Fudge Grows 2 and then come back to Josh Kelly, David Evanesian? I think that's what's needed. I think. Look at what what you could have won. (laughs) But let's, you know, let's let's use this time as boxing to to reflect on, like I said about this show. Let's remember the times that we were right. You know, you know. Let's let's also praise the the Theobald crystal ball that said, you know, some people just might not show up. What was that one? Yeah, that was the Manchester show, wasn't it? Or was it the Fowler fight where you were like, uh, my crystal ball told me this fight's not going to happen? Oh, shit, yeah. No, I brought my crystal ball out multiple times recently. <laughs> the, um, what's his name? Uh, Fowler versus whoever it was. Is it recently. Someone like that. No, well, that wasn't the recent one. But whoever it was. Um, Flatly. It's one of these stupid things. That I, I knew about the fact that Fowler wouldn't be fighting on the Saturday night against the named opponent, and yet Sky hadn't announced it. And you think, fucking hell, there were people out there that would have, for whatever reason, paid to go and watch Anthony Fowler. 
Yeah, that is a random choice, but yeah, I like said that can happen. Yeah, and like, at least be honest with the people that have bought those tickets. Come on, man! Like, I knew about it three days before it got announced. Poor, piss poor. So, okay, I realise that the, the original question I asked is quite open, and it, it doesn't help you, but I just feel like. Uh, help you to direct you in a way to answer but I just feel like people are going to see this crisis as also an opportunity and they'll try and exploit it in some way be that fighters that would rather get rid of a fight say if they don't want to do they don't want to fight a mantra against somebody would would Joshua potentially walk away from uh, his next fight in the hope that he can have a, a different fight Come the end of the year. I, I don't really know what I'm asking there. But Bob, Bob Aram will never let that happen. Those mandatories are still going to be there. They're not going to disappear because of this. So the boxing schedule as it is just gets concertinaed. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that how we foresee it happening? Well, it'll be interesting. I think the benchmark will be Dillian White. And I say that because... You go back and look at Mauricio Suleiman after they stripped Dillian White of the um, the mandatory after he failed, didn't fail, whatever you want to call it, the uh, the UCAD test. And then he didn't fail the non-failed UCAD test. And at that point, Suleiman said, oh yeah, you can have the mandatory status back and it will happen by, is it February 2021? Yeah. Okay, so where does that now sit? Yeah, well, that's the odd thing. That was kind of, I guess, in the realm of what I was asking. Because how long was it before he was he was he was said to have failed the test and then didn't fail the non-failing failed test or whatever the fuck it was? Six weeks. What, yeah, and in that space of time, they went, no, you're not a mandatory anymore. Decided to announce another mandatory instantly or whatever they decided to do. And then when he came back again, even he said, he's like, well, I expected to get put straight back to the mandatory stairs again. They went, nah, can't do that, mate. I know that we make the rules, our own rules, and we can change them whenever we want, but it's just this time we can't. So therefore, well, you should have sued them then if it was that kind, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, this looks to me, this because this is such an unprecedented event, this looks to me like something that will end up being scenarios such as that. Oh, I can't fight you because of coronavirus. What? what? That doesn't make sense. Well, see you in court. You know what I mean? Like that's, that, I feel like if you've got already got um, questions about the football, how the football's going to get resolved, over, you know, this, it, nobody seems to want to budge as to how they're going to free up the football calendar. Well, we have to finish it. Well, we can't start it late. Well, you have to do something, guys. I just feel like with, with boxing, there's going to be a point where somebody goes, no, nah, actually, you know, it'd be really convenient for me. It'll yeah. be interesting. Right. Because Dillian won't want to give up that mandatory position for February 2021. And as much as the whole world might accept coronavirus has put us back however many months, will Dillian accept that? No idea. So, he's due to fight Fury, or on the assumption that Fury beats Wilder. The winner of the Fury-Wilder rematch. rematch. (laughs) Um, So that actually doesn't put much, 
that that's not much pressure on that particular mandatory, is there really? Because theoretically, the Wilder Fury fight could go back a few months. You could still have the fight, then have a break, and then have plenty of time as a run up to February. Well, when was that right? scheduled for? Is it June, July? Yeah, I believe so. June, it was June, July time. That's why it still happen. Yeah, admittedly, it could do. But even if you had to get put back, say, two months, you've still got time to have that fight and then drop off and then have some time for a build-up before the Dillian White fight. But, like, Billy Joe Saunders-Canelo, how does that affect? Fight doesn't happen. Now they don't have... Now that flagship fight doesn't happen. Does not happen. I I never believed it would happen. No. So does Canelo just ride off into sunset and wait until October or whenever it is? September Golovkin, December Murata in Japan make more money in those two fights than he would Billy Joe and Golovkin. So Billy Joe will be left to the sidelines again and then Eddie Hearn will scramble together a Billy Joe Callum Smith fight because that's the only two fight those two have. Because if you think about Hearn, Hearn's pincered. Once Billy Joe becomes available, you're like, okay, Callum's got to fight someone who has name recognition in the UK because Globally, no one gives two shits about a man who beat George Groves with one arm and all that. Ugh. Yep. I don't care. I, I just don't care about Gallagher fighters in general. So you're left with Billy Joe or the John Ryder rematch. Which were you going to make more money with? I think John Ryder beats him the second time around, being honest with you. So I'd like to, but I'd like to see him fight Billy Joe because I think they're roughly contemporaries in terms of you know age and amateur experience. Those two guys overlap each other a lot. Let them fight. Okay. Um, right, moving on then. What do you want? I, right, I, I, at this point, I'm going to have to just ask you guys what, is, what you want to talk about. Mate, co- co- <laughs> co- about. Co- Andy, cover anything between our last episode and this episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right then. There's an interesting one. I, mean, I have listened to your podcast on the Wilder Fury fight, but you know me, I like to talk about, I like to talk about Fury full stop. Go and subscribe um, to Highfield Boxing. If you listen to this on our channel, because I think we're going to put it on both, go and subscribe to Highfield Boxing and go back and listen to it, man. It is, it is very good. Uh, Terry, what does Wilder do differently in the rematch of Fury? So, my frustration with Wilder in probably the last 18 months is He's almost started to listen to the, the critics and the pundits and the experts. And with every fight, Wilder's become more and more conventional. And I think that's played into Fury's hands because the Wilder that iced uh, Stiverne, go for it, mate, let it out. That's, nice. like, an, that's like an exorcism. So I, tried to move it, I tried to move it away from my phone. Fuck off, did you try and reel that in? <laughs> No, so so if so, so if you look at if you look at what Wilder's done since Deverne, right? He's become more and more conventional. He's become more risk averse, and that played into Fury's hands in the second fight because the Wilder we remember just let his hands go, whether he was on balance or on off balance, it didn't matter. So as he became more conventional, it was easier for Fury to read what he was doing, and if Wilder is going to win, he almost has to just go, "I can't outskill this guy." I don't have any tactics that are going to just, you know, 
fucking confuse Tyson. So all I can do is just jump in that ring and just box as if I'm listening to Martha and the Vandellas or Diana Ross and the Supremes and just whatever I feel like, just let the hands go. And I think... It's on the basis... Is this on the basis that if he if he doesn't even know what you're doing, then Fury can't possibly know what he's doing. Exactly, but if you're just going to be a one-two guy and you're going to be like you know skirting around the perimeter of the ring, Fury's seen all of that before. And I think I said oh, it on the really? podcast, it's been a massive failure on Team Wilder that they weren't prepared for the best version of Fury. Like, the hell have they been doing their whole lives? You know. That's what happens when people get lazy, and, and you guys know what I'm like. Trainers are my bugbear. You know, people like to take the credit. There was some idiot. Uh, I don't know who it was. Jesus. Uh, Derek Cooper. I'm going to name him. Derek Cooper said this the day before the fight. Jay Diaz is a trainer that doesn't get the respect he deserves. Day after that, Derek Cooper wasn't there to answer <laughs> the challenges I came back with. Jay Diaz is an absolute clown. You know, for Mark Breland to be considered subservient to Jay Diaz is everything that's wrong with boxing right now. You know, Mark I Breland... Mean, I, Derek Cooper. I like Derek Cooper. He's done some brilliant photoshopping. <laughs> <laughs> well, better, better than yours? A hundred times better than mine. <laughs> he was that's one of making very good. Do you remember when um, Matchroom were looking for an MC? Yeah. And they ran that fucking competition that... Whoever won it is still the substitute for the homeless American guy. It was a black dude, wasn't it? Hi, and welcome to Matchroom Boxing. Um, Martin. (laughs) (laughs) Greatest hit. Um, Yeah, but... Derek Cooper put in a, an effort to match in boxing, which was phenomenal. So I'm I'm not not on my parish can I have a bad word spoken about Derek. But that Jay Diaz thing, man, he's got to hang himself for that one because you know Jay Diaz showed uh, that he's an absolute clown. Wait a minute, I'm back in the lucky dip section. There we go, smash bottles. What we got? Amber Adler. Oh, there we go. 4.3%. Carry on. Oh, this is going to get messy, isn't it? So, I'm, I'm, I don't, you, I don't know if I'm, I'm going to interrupt your flow here, um, so feel free to carry on and, and save this question for later if I have, but did, did, you support the, uh, did you support the decision to throw the towel in? Yeah, like, so if, if I'm in Wilder's Corner... I'm looking at it going, I don't know what's wrong with you right now, but you're in no position to defeat this guy. We've got another match in the contract. Forget this. There's a towel. We'll live to fight another day. Common sense. Protect your asset at all costs. Yeah. I agree. That, it, it reminded me, to, I mean, to a lesser extent, admittedly, but it started to remind me of the Eubank Nick Blackwell fight in as much as like, there was no way that it that Wilder was going to win. Admittedly, Wilder has that, that get-out-of-jail-free-card punch, potentially. But it didn't, there was no evidence to suggest that he was going to be able to dip into the well to, to pull it out. 
when watching the Eubank Blackwell fight, I wish someone had thrown the towel in then. But just to see that towel go in, I, I, I sort of looked at it, I thought, mm, that's, I knew that I didn't expect it to come in. When it did, I thought, actually, that seems like a sensible decision. But let, let, let's go back. Did. Let's go back a second, right? And let's actually just talk about before the fight. Wilder was literally in his changing room like he had half an hour to get to his 10,000 steps for the day. And I was watching this going, <laughs> Jesus, like, how much energy are you burning off? And, and no one told him to sit down, right? And then you're watching these video clips and it was like, I don't know who his mate was, who was just hopping around as if he was fighting. And you're looking at Wilder and you're like, I don't think you've really planned this from end to end. Because if you saw that ring entrance... It looked like they just decided it while he was wrapping his hands. Like, yeah. Everything about what Wilder did in the build-up to that fight looked like a shambles. And everything that Fury did in the build-up to that fight looked like it was planned to the T. And you saw the difference in the ring. I need to pull you up. Terry, I need to pull you up, by the way. On, um, on your podcast, you were saying about the corner team should have got the, uh, the fight called off after three rounds because of the, the uh, cut. Well, it wouldn't matter because that that rule only applies. It's an accidental cut. Ah, uh, well, that no, wasn't it, it, it wasn't even a cut, was it? It was more. I think what I said in the podcast was, I would have got the doctor in because I'm either going to get the fight stopped or I've got two minutes or two or three minutes for that doctor to check that that's not brain fluid leaking out, and while they can just fucking get his shit together. Yeah, I think it's, I agree with that element of it. But I think uh, I think the point of the time was that you could get the fight essentially called off and then go again another day. But that wouldn't happen. You you would have essentially lost the fight. I don't know if I said that. That might have been rodent social. I don't know. God's <laughs> sake! <laughs> I'm gonna cough on that motherfucker. Do you remember when, uh, when we stopped doing the podcast? We got loads of questions about whether we fell out, all of us. Nah, did we fuck? fuck. Did we hell, yeah. man? Like, yeah. I, I don't no. know why that was a... Well, I guess, you know, if, if people stopped doing it. I just want to clarify. Like, no, we fucking didn't. Mm. No, no, I'll be honest but with you. The bounds are speculating. The bounds are speculating about us or stuff, aren't they? No, but, but I genuinely think... If you had canvassed us three in the summer and said, do you guys all need a break? At various points, we'd have all said, do you know what? Yeah, I do. Yep. I yeah, think that's that's okay. And, and you, you more than anyone else, because you're the one that did the traveling every single Sunday. Yeah, and, and it's mad now just having Sundays where I just wake up and go, oh. You know, I'm going to go to Mate, look, I'm, I'm going over to Kew Gardens, man. I'm having breakfast at Antipodea at 9.30 in the morning. You know, I get my scrambled eggs with smoked salmon. You know, just relax. No, <laughs> well, you didn't have to get here at 10 o'clock in the morning. You still could have done that when you were doing the podcast. <sighs> just standing outside my front door, shadow boxing for six hours until I opened the door. <laughs> But just um, to clarify to anyone that did worry or wonder, no, we didn't fall out. No, nah. nah, it was it, it was just uh, you know we all had a bit of burnout, and ultimately we once Terry had taken that decision to to just chill for a bit, um, Martin and I kind of suffered the same fate in the end. It was just we suffered a bit of burnout, and we weren't putting our best foot forward. Oh, we've had a we've had a dropped connection. 
I'm still here. Though. Okay. Don't worry. Terry. No, 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 guys, just to let you know. No, no. No, Andy. Yeah, anyway, Terry went on to do better things, and we went on to be two 37 year old males putting on stupid voices. What was I saying? Sandy, yeah. like. But and I, then I, when we reconnect with the guy that's doing a genuinely good podcast, the first thing we start talking about is fucking porn. Do you know what I think people don't realise with us? Are you still there, Andy? Yeah. Hey, Jesus, what the hell happened there? Well, I don't really know. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, you lot, hold Mom. on a second. Let me get myself together. Well, no, no. I'm still here. I'm still here. Right, cool. What happened there? I don't know, like, they just told me that you were uh, disconnected and then you were reconnecting and then you didn't. We were discussing falling out and then you left us. <laughs> no, I think <laughs> it's one of these weird things. I think people always try and look for, for edges and gossip and stuff like that. But you have to remember what we tried to do. And I think we pulled it off. We wanted to, wanted to make a podcast that sounded as good as everyone else's but we kept it as truthful and as honest as we could. And that's how we grew. Now, if you think in the time that we started this, we've seen everyone jump in on this now. And I don't think they've ever given people the degree of honesty. Tris Dixon does it every so often, give him his due. That, that rawness where people can go, I understand the sport a little bit better having listened to that. And that's what we yeah. try to do. And Martin, you'll know this. Andy, you'll know this. It takes a lot out of you to deliver that on a Sunday. It does, man. And yeah. like, We've all got different commitments. Terry, you've got the Fitzroy Lodge commitment. I've got family commitments. <laughs> Andy, you've got smashing your <laughs> missus commitments. <laughs> and there's something that seemingly seemed trivial to come along my way. When are you going to propose? <laughs> well, I'm going I'm to... I'm uh, sorry, Terry, you're breaking up, mate. Um, let's move on to... <laughs> um, uh, to be honest, I, I know what you mean, Martin, in terms of, like, take, or sorry, Terry, rather, taking it out of you, because, like, especially towards the end of the podcast or towards the end of the podcast of us three, going to work every night and sm after smashing out a two-hour podcast that was that was wearing <laughs> at times but it was not a great tradition I'm going for a piss by the way no I can uh, well, take so the phone or not take the phone I don't mind uh, <laughs> no no but Andy you, and you'll know this right when you're recording it's the adrenaline that gets you through you're like you know you, you've got that that rush of we need to get this done and then it's not till you kind of yeah. get a chance to reflect and you're like Jesus, I'm knackered. And then you yeah, get that next day feeling. Of, yeah. And you're like, bloody hell. And that's, that's what it was. So when people say, oh, you guys fell out, there was nothing to fall out over. It was, yeah. it was good. And, and I think we said at the time, and every so often we'll just pop up out of nowhere and remind all these young pups that, you know, the old veterans have still got it. And you know, we were like the Expendables <laughs> now. Veterans. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, he's still there. <laughs> Is Martin just pissing on his carpet? <laughs> well, judging by the state of 
Judging by the state of the toilet sometimes, or Martin's been in literally any toilet that I've followed him into, he very rarely touches the pan. It's more like a, a taking on the... I don't know if he even has a penis or whether it's just a garden sprinkler down there. I 50, really yeah, this, no what's it? 50% floor, 50% sink, and then that's a good piss for <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that is it. Yeah. And there's so many child toys in the bar near uh, in the toilet so with, uh, around his house that I just to think. I can hear you, cunt. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you do, don't play with the water pistol when you get there. <laughs> oh, look, is this, uh, is this apple juice or champagne mine? Squirt, squirt. Oh, I've just said to um, sing happy birthday to myself twice. What? Oh, is it your birthday? <laughs> Mm. of all the songs that you've chosen that one to keep make sure that you what in case your foreskin's got a coronavirus on it no you dickhead it's how you meant to wash your hands I know that's what I'm saying but, but you obviously... you're, you're the reason you're the reason the vast majority of the public are told how to wash their hands uh, well we get told uh, we got told to sneeze into a tissue or the crook of your elbow and wash well, your hands properly but to be well, fair, well, like, cooking... if you've been watching adult sites, I think you might want to wash your hands a little bit longer. <laughs> and while you're doing that, Terry, ask yourself, what... is life worth living? Terry, what's the impact on amateur boxing with all this stuff? So the ABAs are off, which yeah. which I'm, I'm hoping they do a rerun because our lads were late for the weigh-in, so they got knocked out before they even fought. So I'm hoping they just I'm start from zero. It. I saw about that. Yes. I'm as a coach, you're pretty fucking livid. Well, so I was holding it down in the gym, and we're getting text messages going. Well, I was, so I got messages from guys that weren't fits for a lodge going, you're not on here to weigh in. What's going on? And I was like, ah, oh, Jesus, man. And you imagine, like, and this is the side that people don't see. When you're a coach and you're focusing on those ABAs and you're putting the little things in and you're talking to your fighters and you're doing the analysis going, look, to win this, you've got to generate 90 punches per round, and you're, you're timing them, you're counting everything, Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday. All of a sudden, you get to a point, and you're like, man, I just want you to go out there and deliver. So to not get that chance is deflating. For it not to happen because it's late is more damage to the brand of the club than anything else. Individually, I think these kids will bounce back, but the season's a write-off anyway, if we're being honest. The Olympic qualifiers, which were meant to be at the Copper Box, cancelled. So how the hell is everyone going to qualify now? Unless they just yeah. move it all to Paris, which I've, I think... Apart from Galliafi Ga- and Peter McGregor qualified, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, but how good did Caroline Dubois look? And wait, wait, let's, yep. just, let's slap ourselves on the back again. First podcast to talk about Caroline Dubois was... Thank you. You say slap us on the back. I'm not sure Andy or I talked about Caroline Dubois. Yeah, I can bear. I mean, I do remember, funnily enough, bizarrely, I remember you talking about. Like, uh, is it a woman? <laughs> what the fuck? Well, I literally don't know what pronouns you use, so. Oh, wow. Caroline. Andy's become woke. Caroline Dubois. Oh, Caroline. I, try, I, I couldn't actually make out. I'm. I couldn't make out the first name, but I remember you... You're a fucking monster. Just so everyone knows, just so everyone knows that I've not lost my casual my casual tag in the time that we've been off the air. <laughs> the first thing I thought was, I can't work out what name they both just said, but I know it's not Daniel Dubois, and I remember him talking about another Dubois. 
Unbelievable. That was my thought process. <laughs> So, the, so there are three Dubois, right? There are three Dubois you should just write on your on your list. Daniel, obviously, everyone knows now, but when we first talked about him, no one knew. Caroline is about to be what I call the first real superstar female boxing. Then there's Young Prince, who's also coming through, and he's looking like a monster as well. Is Prince of like a similar build then? He's growing. So you have to remember, like when Daniel first started boxing, he was small, and then he grew, but. If you've ever seen Daniel Dubois' dad, like, they're not small genetics in that family. Yeah. And another shout-out, by the way, because, like, you were talking about it on one of your recent ones, of, like, when you went back through the names of the people, and just to prove I do listen, when you went back through the names of the people that you'd mentioned on our old podcast, it's an impressive list, isn't it? The Sterling, the Aziz, Jordan Reynolds. Um, I can't remember the rest of them now, but uh, there was a whole meeting. We, we, look, that, that's what I mean about this podcast. We, we've always retained that thing of saying we cover all levels. I, I know some people try to claim they were the voice of small hall boxing and stuff, and, you know, time, time, time proved them wrong, you know. <laughs> but hey listen man we 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 always kept it a hundred percent and i take pride in that and it was important you know some of those guys i gave hmm? i gave you linus Yudofia, that's what i'm claiming hey listen and i still fuck with linus like he's the sort of guy i look at linus now and i go just let this guy fight for the british as soon as possible because middleweight is that sort of division now that once liam fights for a world title it's it's open season and Linus has that in him to to go for that now. And you made that call. I remember that where you were like, "I think this kid is going to win a British title," and I want to see him do it. You know, people trying to say, no, "I did." You know, people say, "I've seen hundreds. Of, I've seen hundreds of kids go through that small hall system." He's the one that's always stood out. But I think for me, he. And if he listens to this, sorry, Linus, but I do have to keep it real. I want to see an evolution in his game now. So I think as a small hall boxer, you can get away with a lot of things and you can get away with outskilling people because they're not really coming to win. But I want to see from Linus, what I want to see now is a bit of seek and destroy. Because when you come for that British title, you're going to have to show a little bit of that seek and destroy in you. And I think Linus that knows my thoughts. But like Linus is meant to be fighting this Saturday. Clearly, it's not going to happen now. Um, when he won the English title, he did a, a good enough job, but it wasn't a brilliant job. And uh, he needs, as you say, he needs an evolution a little bit. No, you're absolutely okay. right. No, no, you're absolutely right. But that's what boxing is. And I'll give you an example. There's a boxer I was speaking to. Let me not let me not snitch on names, but we were talking about it because he's 25 now. And I said, from 25 to 30, you're going to be an athlete. You're going to be slick. You're going to have reflexes. What you don't want to do is realize at 30, you don't have those reflexes anymore and have to relearn the game. So at 25, you want to start learning your stuff when you're 30. Yeah, because then when you slip into that and you realize your reflexes are a bit off and you can't hop in and out like you used to, you want to learn how to be cute, experienced, know how to 
do those little old veteran moves that keep careers long. You know, like a Mike McCallum is an example. And so when you deal with a lot of these guys in boxing, because they're trained by these British coaches who are very much upright, one, two, one, two. And when you're under pressure, just run around the ring with your hands up. You don't learn ring craft. And ring craft is the word I want to keep using in 2020. Who has real ring craft among the prospects we talk about? Not many people do. Um, moving, continuing uh, along, well, not obviously when you're talking about lines, but like moving along with the, with the amateur scene you were talking about, um, what uh, impact, if anything, what, what, when are the Tokyo Olympics due to go ahead, by the way? Does anyone know? Because I, I don't. I think it's August 2020. I've only got two left. I've only got oh. two left in the bag. Oh, yeah? And what have you got out this time? It's a purple panther. Oi, oi. Yeah, does that... <laughs> Sounds like the kind of thing that Terry ripped to shreds over the last three days. Mate, are you, are you, are you, are you just drinking shit you brewed yourself? Like, what the fuck is this purple panther? Like, what? Mate, do you want to know what it is, right? Because I don't get to drink that often at all nowadays. At all. Um, I've just got a cupboard underneath my stairs that's got shitloads of like, you know, when you've had people over and yeah. you bought beer in and they bought beer around and it's what's left. I'm basically <laughs> like, I'm on that at the moment. And uh, I remember now that purple panther, that was, um, that's what I brought around. It's, um, yeah. I'm going to enjoy I it. it. I bought it at the gardening center. It was, um, it's weed killer. But <laughs> it's 5%. It might as well be. No, I, I Mate, I, I've never heard of it. I'm just on the old Rosie, 6.8. That's me now. Mm. Right. Carry on, sorry. Tokyo. So, yeah. When, when are Tokyo Olympics due to go ahead? I think it's August 2020, isn't it? August? Right, okay. So, uh, um, do we... Oh, in fact, it's pointless me asking whether it's going to... It's almost pointless asking any questions regarding the coronavirus full stop because no one has a fucking clue. Look, I'm a big fan of Tokyo, by the way. Like, they don't give a fuck, do they? Like, they're just carrying on regardless. Well, they did say that they're just going to... No, we're still, we're still doing it. Still cracking no. on. Good on them. But they're not really a country known for human rights, though, are they? So they don't give a monkeys. It's a long way away. Look, I think the Olympics will happen because I, I genuinely think by the first May Bank holiday, we'll be looking back on this going, God, weren't we a bunch of soft fuckers? Um, Agree. Okay. That's interesting. I, for, I, as it happens, I don't think that that's going to be the case. Seems you've got, you, you can have thousands of people that have died. What, in the UK? Because it's at least at three and a half thousand, right? Yeah. And they're still climbing. But how many people... How many people would have died anyway? (laughs) (laughs) If they die, they die. Granted, (laughs) granted that answer... Granted, that answer is 100%. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it depends on timeline you want it over. How many people would have died in the next hundred years anyway? Well, everyone in the world. Well, there we go then. One matter. What difference it make if they die a little bit sooner? If you slightly, ex- if you slightly expedite that process, 
I don't know. Like, I, I'm kind of with Terry. I think this whole country going into fucking grind into a hole is fucking mental. And I think we'll look back at it going, we did it because everyone else did it. Yeah. <laughs> but, 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 but we'll see how we're putting <laughs> So, Andy, you're, you're telling me, right? Andy, you're telling me, like, when they're trying to turn you into Jason Bourne, you didn't do any of this kind of scenario preparation? <laughs> all, all I know is that um, that there is movement on the on the the military front, and they don't they don't do what they've done uh, the way that they've done it often <laughs> for one or two lightly. And I just think you, that it. Look at you being an in the know military guy. Love it. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's one of those things I just think, uh, like, you, they wouldn't. When it comes down to money, they just don't do any. Like, a bit like sport. They don't do anything unless their arms, like, is proper forced. I mean, like, everyone was saying to him about the EU, stay in the EU, be more profitable. And the uh, British government, like, nah, we actually think probably a bit better if we stay out of it. Just whatever money that difference was, probably just been negated by three hundred and fifty billion they've had to just put into the, into the economy. Well, Dandy, what's your, any, well, well, well. What's your funny how freedom of movement has stopped, right? <laughs> There's no freedom of movement now, is there? <laughs> Andy, what's your what's your coolest uh, military story? Uh, probably, probably when, when you got the bullet through the windscreen, uh, uh, Iraq. Probably, yeah. That's probably as it goes. The, the quote-unquote coolest. We, I did get mortared once, um, but didn't die, which is quite nice. Well, you didn't die from any of them. Oh, that's true. But I, <laughs> I, <laughs> that's true. But I, I'm sort of the reason I speak about that is because getting a load of mortars, getting literally your position mortared is. Unlikely you're going to survive. Right. Shot a- a- Andy, 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 I need yeah. you to carry that story on. I need to go and grab some more grenadine. Sorry. Just carry on, yeah? About 32 grenadine. seconds. I need some grenadine. Grenadine. He's top up his homunculus glass. Right, give me 30 seconds. <laughs> that literally looked like... That did actually look like, when you sent that picture through, it looked like... Um, I don't know, uh, a GCSE science kit from the 1990s. It was like a, bun- a Bunsen burner. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's my own concoction. I think, oh, God, that doesn't sound good at all. That doesn't sound well, like it can end well. Well, I'm here. Shout out to, um, and I know Terry's going to back this up on his back. A shout out to Winnie King, the doctor, for uh, providing me the best Mother's Day cards possible. And you know she makes um, us all herself. What by hand, man? By hand, little bit of machinery, that's, but it's all her. Like creative vision and everything. Now, nah, honestly, that's insane. Like, and I'm unaware of this. I'm okay because so, I'm, I'm my own doctor. But go ahead, so so educate me. I ordered some cards uh, a couple of weeks back, for Mother's Day, like before this shit kicks off. And they came through within like a day and a half, two days. And they are the, like granted, you pay a little bit of a premium on them, but that premium is worth it, man. Like 
my mum's going to love me more than she loves my brother after this, which is great news. Like, Let's not go too far, mine. Actually, he's, <laughs> he's literally a doctor. <laughs> I'm just a dickhead sat drinking some little beer. Um, Grenadine yeah, makes like, all the difference. Think, because those cards are exceptional. So get onto the Card King on Etsy, because if you want to impress someone, buy one. Enough said. Okay. Fantabulous. Terry, have you got your grenadine? I have. Oh, grenadine's a game changer. Do you know when I really fell in love with grenadine? There was this an American Dad episode where Roger makes a Roy Rogers McFreely and Stan doesn't get the grenadine. And so Roger goes ape shit. So I thought, let me try this grenadine. And inside of what grenadine does, it just adds a smile to the overall mix. Now, I think with the green tea bringing me up, the grenadine kind of just levels me off. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you have an eloquent way of putting, of justifying some mad decisions. <laughs> uh, shouts out to Rodent TV. <sighs> Jesus Christ. I know, you get the words out of my mouth. Told um, you, man, I'll, I'll get Magic Johnson to just fucking put one in his backside, man. <sighs> Uh, let it out. Yeah. Listen. Did you try and hold that one in as well? No, I didn't. Now, today I'm, <laughs> I'm addressing everything today. Everything is getting addressed today. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Like, we don't know if we're ever going to record again as a group. Or nah, we, just we are. No, no, we are. We are. We absolutely no, are. We, we, we more than likely will. But we've chucked this together. Again, just for context of people, we've chucked this together because I think... Probably we realise people may appreciate, you know, an hour and a half of us chatting shit together because they've asked for it multiple times. We've not done it before, but these circumstances are different yeah. to any other time. Listen, we might go live again. Like if people really put the money up for those tickets, we might go live again. <laughs> not for you, not for you, months. <laughs> no, look, look, look. Maybe, maybe not till this clears up, but. Listen, if, if people Maybe. are willing to put the money up, how many times did you hear that? Show number one, sold out, delivered. Show number two. Listen, I, I know 10 people that came in there that, <laughs> do you know what I mean? They just put, <laughs> they just walked in. I mean, we're already sold out by them. People are like, yo, T, I've got to come in, man. I, got, I need to see this. I mean, we're standing room only for show number two. So, there's demand, but you guys have to, you know what I mean? You've got to value quality. I, I'm, I'm not coming out of live show retirement unless we do those numbers again. Do you know what I mean? So for, for a billion pounds, we'll do it in Italy. Can you do those numbers sober next time? <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? Like my yeah, biggest regret yeah. is not realizing that bottle was a litre. Man, like, you know, put too much fuel in I the fire. your biggest regret is, it's probably not remembering the second half of the show. <laughs> yeah. Well, 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 do you know, we had a dickhead with a camera there that decided not to film it. That's some rodents for you. I, 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 I feel like this conversation that these 10 people might have, there was also a theatre, maybe Terry walked into a room just with loads of mirrors in it and uh, about half of through the show and he was random. When we, uh, at some point, said, Martin randomly leaves the room and brings David Allen back in. Like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> Why not? Why not? 
And, uh, yeah, Terry was so stonkingly drunk, he could have easily had a conversation with himself in the mirror. What a night. Oh, man. You know, me and Paul Gas going after that. Gaz sent me a message going, How are you, man? Yeah, I mean, he understood. No, no, he didn't at all. He offered to turn up with a fishing rod and a bucket of chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I could have done with that chicken at the interval. <laughs> so, yeah, we could, we potentially could go live again if we all survive. Uh, right, what's going to happen in boxing over the next six months? What's going to happen? We're all going to be pissed off. Right, let's just start with the truth. We're all going to be pissed off. You know, we're all going to be annoyed at Hearn for talking nonsense. But what we're going to see, and I've, I've touched on this before, I like how DeZone have reined Eddie Hearn back in. So now, if you look at well, when DeZone have big set-piece messages to get out to the public, it's either Skipper or Markovsky that go out there. It's, it's, it's corporate now. And they let Eddie Hearn yeah, just... Markovsky, the fucking villain. <laughs> no, no, no. Ma- Ma- Martin, no, no. In fact, I'm not. I'm well educated. In fact, I work my way up the kid. system. He's the kind of kid you'd be in the shit out of at school. For fun. For fun. I think, he's, he's, I think, he, I think he's the kind of kid that used to throw the soap on the floor in the showers. <laughs> Jesus. There goes my syndication deal with the zone, then, guys. Uh, so we heard today that um, the French Open was going to be basically they went uh, we're going to stick here in I think they said October two weeks October September bang September which was two weeks after or two weeks before the US Open am I right right what's this got to do with my question about what's going to happen over six months in boxing (laughs) we're all going to play tennis yeah, when when it comes to most bo- when it comes to most sporting events, they they basically just they have to put them on at some point or drop them completely. Are we going to see that hunger is going to be obviously insatiable by the time sport comes back in its various guises? Are we going to see like a land grab in terms of like dates just to try and be the first ones to put on a big show? So will it be a case of? If if when 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 is Joshua due to fight? End of June. Yeah. June seventh. They say the ban the ban gets lifted. They say the ban's gonna be lifted mid July. Do they literally say to Joshua, right, keep on training for the next two weeks and we'll stick to at the end of July? We're gonna any stadium we can grab. This is when it's gonna be in the hope that these sort of like tidal wave of immediate gratification for the want for sport will will you know will. Uh, create a you know a massive windfall in cash, or will it be a case of right now we're back on the scene? Let's actually try and place our boxing events throughout the year because they're going to tread on each other as well, aren't they? I was debating this like with myself the other day actually this exact question because in football you could you could have a team prepped and ready within three or four days, no problem. Like, they may not be match fit, but neither will the other two. Yeah. Whereas in boxing, if they said, right, the ban is lifted next week, go, then you've still got eight weeks until anyone's ready. Yeah. And so you can't, you know, I don't believe Eddie Hearn's going to have insight from the government and, like, a heads up 
as to what that date that you're allowed to go again will be. <laughs> Eddie, we'll keep the lockdown on for eight weeks so you can be ready to go when we lift it. Exactly, no, no, yeah. guys. So here's an, here's an update I can give you, right? Most boxing gyms are shut now. And I know people say, oh, you can keep ticking over. But if you've got a fighter, what you're saying is, mate, you can't go to any public gym. So no fitness first, no virgin actives. These guys are literally just, it's either, it's just road work and push-ups. That's all these guys are doing at the moment, which doesn't get you fit for a fight. So as soon as this, as soon as we're allowed to carry on as normal, I still think fighters are going to need a full camp before they can fight. Agree. Which is why that like eight week period after the end of the incubation is going to screw people over because... Everybody's um, desire for some kind of sporting event will be placated by the time you get to that eight-week period. After eight weeks, we've seen, you know, probably 16 rounds of Premier League matches. Yeah, yeah, probably, yeah. Yeah, we've seen F1 return, we've seen tennis return, we've seen rugby return, we've seen... every, Every other sport is ready to go at a week's notice give or take, on the acceptance that everybody else is lacking match practice. Whereas boxing, you're eight weeks out from a fight at any one point. Except for football. Like, look, look, did anyone see Pogba in the Juventus shirt? <laughs> like he's really committed to United. <laughs> no. <laughs> I didn't Mate, see this. He's on, he's on Instagram doing drills in a Juventus shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Was that a spoiler? Probably. Uh, so, Andy, yeah, I'd be prepared for a new midfielder if I were you. Well, I'm, I'm happy. Bye. Go to Northern Italy right now. If you, if you want to go, go, go right now. To some extent, I'll drive you there myself as long as I don't have to stop the car. <laughs> no, but you're used to that. Snatch squad Andy, man. Get out, get out, get out. Get out. <laughs> That's how you pick Terry up anyway. <laughs> you used to call it the Snatch Squad because of the way that I used to accelerate. <laughs> and and, and, and drop me off. Like, he'd drive alongside the train and I'd be on the bonnet of the car and I'd have to just make the jump. <laughs> I know what's coming from mine now. Come on. <laughs> now the, the Snatch Squad is who is uh, protecting Terry in these desolate times. <laughs> I thought you were saying that that's, the Snatch Squad is what he's now completed on Pornhub. I'm done done with Pornhub although to be fair you'd buy shares in Pornhub now right I got to test out this uh, Italian VPN thing in mind how many times can you watch that jerk mate advert like before your video and that's really God how are you scraping this barrel so (laughs) fucking deeply like (laughs) that's what she said you're, you're you're not willing to watch any pornos for longer than like more than well I don't know but you're willing to watch a jerk mate advert over and over and over again <laughs> mate, mate you don't have a choice <laughs> right? watch a porn film again now all, all the good ones mate, have the jerk mate advert before them you, you, mate, you're stuck you with you can't it. skip those 15 seconds that's no, five like skipping five four three two one skip skip finish off well, obviously it was 15 before I was married, so I don't know what it is. (laughs) 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 
actually, actually, look, you know what? Like, because, you know, it's, it's us and we've, we've pretty much got a captive audience. I'm just going to fire questions. Martin, Saturday's show, how good did Kofi look? Kofi? Yeah, Kofi. <laughs> what, Donka? Yeah. I never saw it. Oh, wow. Mate, I wasn't there because you need to appreciate I've got like childcare tokens in life. <laughs> and I saved them up to go and watch Linus this coming weekend. Who is he boxing like, this coming so, weekend? You are so. Who is he going to box? Who's Linus going to box? Yeah. Um, the guy that lost to Sean Robinson his last fight. Oh, man, that's all gone over my head. Is it not Tyler Denny? So that's not it. No, that's who he beat for the English title. Um, fuck, slip my mind. Um, uh, John Brennan. Ah, uh, he needs to hope Jack Cullen doesn't come looking for that belt again. Jack Cullen. Fucking the meat cleaver from Little Lever. Yeah. Remember when Hearn was massively Linus, high on him? Linus smokes him. Uh, I'd rather I'd rather Linus had to defend that belt against Pester. Really? Yeah, 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 you know. That's uncompetitive. Nah, for a couple of rounds. I mean that nice because I went to go and see Pesta. I was down at um, Dunstable a couple of weeks back oh, you when did? Kay Prosper, Kay Prosper defended against uh, Bill Rackman from Bradford, maybe Bradford, um, somewhere up north. And Pesta was on that. John Harding and uh, John looked the best I've ever seen him. To be fair to him, he was aggressive. Um, actually, went looking for damage rather than like fucking more of a defensive output if that makes sense um Pester the best I've seen him in a long long time but as soon as he steps up I think Linus would beat him you know Jack Cullen he put up a decent performance against Jack Cullen I'll give him his juice but Linus would beat him I want to see Linus against Felix Cashman for the British I'd love to see that yep or Denzel for the British no, nah, no, nah. do you know what? And, and like, <laughs> I like Denz, and Denz will probably listen to this and go, oh, Terry's talking shit again. Although me and Denzel, like, you know, when I was his Paul Heyman type, you know, mouthpiece, it's the most views he's ever done in a video, so I'll take that. But I think I'd like to see Denzel just build for now. And that's me speaking as a yeah. trainer, not a fan. Like, you know, yeah, I think but... sometimes you can smoke a lot of guys really quickly because they're there to be smoked. But then you've got to spend probably two or three fights, maybe a year of your development, working on new ways, you know, setting traps so you can smoke, you know, a better caliber of opponent. I've think... no issue with that at all. But if they're going to fight, they've got to fight for British, Linus and Denzel. There's no yeah. point doing it for anything less. With you a thousand percent. I love both guys. Like, it, it, it's, it's how I'd feel with the Aziz Sterling fight where I'm sat there going... I love both of you guys. I'm just going to sit here and just watch. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but, but I'll do it. You're 100% right about the fact that they are fighting for a belt they shouldn't be fighting for. Yeah, this... Look, 
How often have we complained as boxing fans that we don't get prospect v prospect? And when we do, we have to celebrate that. So, if, look, and Umar is always my example of this. Umar for Chelly, prospect v prospect. Yep. Coped with that. Lost it, came back. For Cody Davis, massive underdog, prospect v prospect. Nailed Wait a it. You've missed out. You've missed out a handful of fights there. He fought Daryl Sharp and he had the best corner team he's ever had. Yeah, yeah, he had the 37-year-old man from Milton Keynes who's known as the boxing savant. No one really knows who he is. But, <laughs> but we've all been looking for this man Tartin Meobold for about a year now. He, he used to be known of Hefty Belly. Hefty <laughs> Belly. <laughs> you want to see him now, Terry? He looks like he's got AIDS. So he definitely took what, uh, definitely took what you said on board and, uh, and burned it all off. Fair play. Wait, no, Theobald, what are you down to now, Martin? <laughs> Martin, what are you down to now? Uh, I am about 82 and a half kilos. You see, like 2020, like I started the year at about 112 kilos. End of Jan, I was about 100. I think I'm about 96 at the moment. It's it's one of the things I've realized that, just on a side note, this is definitely men in their 30s type chat now. Everyone's got to just drop that little bit of weight, yeah, just because your heart's not designed to be heavy. So get yourself as light as possible. I promise you, no matter how tight your shirt fits around your chest, that excess weight's not going to help you in a fight. So just get your weight down. Yeah, get your fitness up. Get your sharpness up. And your wife, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, all that sort of stuff, they'll all thank you for it. Yeah, so just get yourself I'll in shape. I'll tell you now, I, I started doing, like, I started training more. I started eating healthily. Uh, I had a knee off a couple of years back, you know about, but... I was pretty fucked at the time. I couldn't do a lot. Um, but my knee, shout out to the NHS, because my knee is in pristine condition right now. I'm playing football. I'm playing badminton. I'm doing whatever I fancy without any complications. I started at 106 kilos. I'm down to 82. Yeah, that's good. That's good, man. Um, that's, a, yeah. that's super impressive. But that's within a year. Like I started doing that just before Spurs got to the European Cup final. Well, happy days. <laughs> Funny what a year can change. <laughs> I need to give a shout out while we're here to uh, Lee Crocker, LPC hyphen boxing on Twitter, who's asked us for a shout out. Always, man. Like, like he's a good guy. You know, he's. He came to our second live show. Yeah, super passionate about boxing as well. So he he's one of these guys like Danny Watley. You know when. They've just got that fire oh, in them. Danny is the fucking man. Danny's the man. Nah, I got a lot of... Listen, it's, it's crazy, isn't it? Like, through doing this podcast for the years that we've done it, we've just... We've met people and we, we've had memories. Like, I still think back to being in Manchester that time and you're just like, bloody hell, the things we've done collectively, and you think, yeah... You know, Jake Wood, Spencer Oliver couldn't do that. And that's kind of why we're doing this now. It's just to, like, just give those same people something to listen to for a little bit. <laughs> you remember when Sir Jake Wood and Spencer Oliver, they, they announced that live show tour of, like, the UK, and they were like... <laughs> Absolutely. 
venues or I can't even remember what the venues were. They were like in the thousands, were they not? What were they expecting? You fucking bells. <laughs> and then within about ten minutes they like there was the thing is they put on like something like twenty, twenty dates or something, have they not? I mean, it was like if they were touring a musical. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was the most bizarre thing. I thought, I just remember at the time going, this can't possibly work. And then it doesn't. You're like, <laughs> obviously. And then they, yeah. put on, they put on Frank Warren there at that point. Oh, no, we're really like, oh. Frank, you've got what? my email. Fuck off. Do you, know what, <laughs> do you know what annoyed me about all of that is this. People assume that this podcast thing is easy. And I see people jump in and do it. And through knowing people in the media industry, I get to see the back-end numbers. There's a reason why Eddie Hearn's No Passion, No Point isn't there anymore. Because realistically, for the numbers they were doing, it wasn't worth his time. Doing a podcast that has a dedicated set of fans that will back you to the end is hard as hell. But it's 80% about authenticity. Like I like to feel the people that listen to us believe in us, number one. Number two the people that listen to us would sit down and have a beer. And if you don't drink, you'd have a coffee or maybe a falafel wrap with us. doesn't really bother me, but you'd spend time with us. <laughs> and that's what we try and do. And so yeah, that's I what makes that's us strong. That's definitely been played out. Right? I, I remember doing those live shows and up to the point that you did your seventh bottle of brandy and that, that finally went down. I remember just enjoying every single second of just even as much as going out and buying the load of Cheetos just for the fact that we'd <laughs> just for the fact that we'd mentioned Cheetos in the podcast a few times and then putting them on seats for everyone. I remember actually just just I just remember enjoying being around people that liked the same things we did and supported what we were doing. And yeah, you, you, that is, oh, God, it's priceless. It really is priceless that people actually back you like that. Guys, sorry, I just put grenadine on my Ross? carpet. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me just, let me just go on mute for a sec. Where's David Price? <laughs> where, where is David Price? Well, you said about priceless. Now I'm thinking about David Price. Like, there must <laughs> be a roided-up Russian that's about 20 years old ready to punch his face in. Well, you you know what David Price is. David Price is the guy that gets a million pound purse and takes home fifty grand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but before he's done that, he'll talk about building his career, and he's got to take the right price at the right time. I'm on to the last one, by the way. Golden Goose. He's well managed. Price is well managed. Um, mate, I'm I'm. I think I've done just over two and a bit liters of Old Rosie. I might have to go and grab some Westerns in a sec. Two and a half liters of Old Rosie. Mate, Old Rosie is a very underrated cider. If you listen, that is not subject to the to the panic buying. If you're in a Tesco's, grab some Old Rosie, man. Like, have you reminiscing about you know the 1950s, whatever it is? Like, I, I genuinely feel like Joaquin Phoenix singing Folsom County Blues. <laughs> I'm either downstairs to go and get some cider out of the fridge or I'm downstairs to go and get I think we've only got maybe rosé wine or prosecco after this oh no I wonder if we'll get his 
messes that night with Pete Fenimore. Mate, are you just at, are, are you just at fucking Corbin's house? <laughs> no, it's just that I've run out of booze at that point. I need to stock right. up. Terry, well, we did. Um, we we went out, went to watch the was it Joshua Fight Nine? Yeah, we we meet. Uh, we met Pete Fenimore down the the pub, and uh, we've got back to Martin's. He said, "Come back to my idea." Pete Fenimore has listened to us for a good few years, and he's someone that I actually did a white collar. Um, he was training with me for white collar fight. So he comes and meets us at the bar. We haven't met to Martin's house for a drink, and that's it. Martin <laughs> still made me laugh. Martin said, "She wants some mulled wine." I was like. Oh, yeah, go on then. Oh, you have to heat it up, aren't you? He's like, no problem. Here's my mulled wine kettle. And he pulls out a five-pound kettle. And he just hammers a load of mulled wine into, flicks it on, and go upstairs. No, I need to give you the context of this, right? I, have a mold, I do have a mulled wine kettle. Which is possibly the most middle-class thing I've ever said. <laughs> mulled wine kettle. Oh, when I moved into my my house is a new build. When I moved into it, they left a kettle on the side of the kitchen, but they only left the actual physical kettle, not a base. So I was like, right, you're fucking retarded, whatever for doing this. <laughs> so you've literally just left me a kettle. Fine. So I just put it into a cupboard one day and I left it. And then about six months later, my mother-in-law came around and she opened up the kettle and inside it was the base. Oh, okay. Right, shit, okay. It was coming up to Christmas. We've already bought another kettle by this point. So I've got a spare kettle knocking about in my house. Come up to Christmas, chuck the mulled wine in it. And it's lived ever since. So then we're getting like... Almost obviously boiling hot mulled wine upstairs. It was it was good. It was good. We were already rather lubricated as it was. Oh my god! I think what we'd run out of mulled wine. You said we'd gone through six bottles, didn't you? Yeah. Plus whatever we drank at the pub. That was literally the most painful hangover I've had for a long time. When I woke up the next day, that felt like my brain was felt like all of the coronavirus in the world at that point was in my brain, which. Yeah, there was no coronavirus at that time, but maybe that's where it came from. Oh, from you? You're the super spreader. Yeah, I, I, I patient zero. Your love for hentai and Far Eastern women has caught up with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, right, I, we've been now going on for an hour and 46 minutes. Do we have anything else to cover? Half time, my friend, half time. <laughs> I've got to be up at four o'clock in the morning. To do what? Uh, wait, 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 wait. To do what? What have you got to be up at half four in the morning for? Like, this is, I told you this guy is a super spreader. Who else wakes up at four in the morning apart from, I'm going to fuck everybody up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to work for six. To do what? what? What are you fixing? Trains that aren't moving. Well, yeah, precisely. But they've still got, we've still got to do it because no one's, no one's saying don't fix them anymore. Mate, like... Continue mixing. Continue mixing, people. 
No, nah, mate, look, look, you need a career change. I'm just going to keep it all the way trill right now. You need a career change, Andy, that enables you to podcast a lot more. Like, I feel your, your value to the world is greater as a podcaster. You're probably, you're probably right. I'm not sure there's any of, I've had any value as a podcaster, but I still think you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say that, I would say that Tony Bell, you disagreed after you called him a faggot. Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh. Uh, most annoying, the, the most fucking irritating thing is I didn't call him a gimp, dickhead, penis, retard. No, I can't even use that word, can I? Uh, any of those words that were okay to use, I wish I'd used them ones. Can we just relive that moment when you called him a faggot? Because <laughs> <laughs> deep down, the sentiment was right, the wording was wrong. Yeah. Thank you. No, that you're, is true. I stand you, by you're like, sentiment. What was the actor on on Question Time who who tried to be the uh, Lawrence Fox? Yes, you're like Lawrence Fox, but before Lawrence Fox. I think you need to explain to me what this is because Martin seems to know, but I don't. I knew before you'd even said what it was. <laughs> <laughs> no, so basically, Lawrence Fox goes on Question Time. And does this massive rant against lefty liberalism, wokeness, and all that sort of stuff. Gets a lot of right-wing support on Twitter, and then a lot of left-wing backlash, and I think he struggled to get acting jobs after that, and then ran off social media a bit like Dave Allen did. He's Billy Piper's ex-husband. Oh, shit, is he? Yeah. Hmm. So is Chris well, Evans, one right? One of her ex-husbands. Yeah. She strikes as just um, I, I, like I, she just strikes as being a bit of a car wreck. Like I, I, I don't know if I would want to define my love life as being marrying Billy though. Piper. It would. Nah, 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 nah. Maybe, maybe someone like 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 Rodent TV would, but not me. <laughs> How many references can you just like it's like proper reaching every time you make the reference as well? Fuck Rob Tebbit. Full fucking stop. Have you, Why? Have you seen Why this numpty? No, 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 no. Let's let's just thirty seconds. Have you seen him? Look, at, he had his haircut, trying to act like he's fucking GQ's man of the year, mate. Allegedly, you buy views on your platform, and no one gives a monkeys about you. I mean, get the fuck out the sport. You're a fake actor. You've been acting like you're relevant in the sport, and this is the reason I'm saying this. This guy's been backstage talking shit about me to people in boxing. So they get back to me and go, yo, Rob's been talking about you. I'm like, why? I don't really speak about Rob. After I, after I dropped the, the Rob Tebbit napalm bomb, I haven't spoken about him. I haven't needed to. So if he's backstage briefing me, he has to understand at some point you're going to see me, my friend. You're going to see me. But that's, a, that's, that's snakish shit. Oh, oh, do you know Terry? Oh, what's he like? What did you do with him? <laughs> Fuck it. That's rodent behavior. And, and, and what it does, and I know, I know people go, oh, you're having to go at him again. What it does is it says to people, what's Terry been saying about me? And I don't say anything. Look, I'm on a podcast here and I tell you what I think. I don't, I don't sugarcoat it. I don't, I don't do anything. But Tebbit needs to behave himself because I am going to see you at some point. And if you're not, I mean, if you're not truthful, if you're not authentic, if you're not respectful, 
Wow. To be fair to you, Terry, you've never sugarcoated anything. No, I, I don't. Like, I'm not a snake. So when I'm hearing people saying, yeah, yeah, we had Tebbit over here. Yeah, he was talking about you. I'm like, why? Don't. Leave, listen, leave me alone because you don't know me well enough. But I know you. When Michelle fired you, you were crying on the phone to me. And I gave you a blueprint of how we'll get back. And I said, listen, I can get you a slot on Boxing Social. Facts. Now, if you want to run on, on, on Two Planks O'Reilly's podcast, then, then deny that you can do. But I'm telling you now, this is a statement of fact. I opened that door for Teba to be on Boxing Social. And he needs to rep, he needs to rep that right. Because when I see him, you know, there's going to be no, no, no failed actor type mise-en-scene, you know, what is your inner motivation? It will just be, Rob Tebbett, what have you been saying about me? But there you go. I've said it. I'm, I'm okay now. <sighs> what about, right, Terry, I need, I need to put this question to you. Your High Field Boxing podcast. Yeah. You're far more middle ground than you were with us. Are you going to reach the extremities or are you going to save them when we're putting together <laughs> taking the road of podcast? Do you know what? It, it, it's, it's really strange because I can... Ba- I don't mind what the answer is, by the way. At all. I don't give no, a fuck, really. No, no, I'll be honest. I can ba- I, what I love is I can bounce off you guys. That's, what, that's one thing. You know when I, when I strap the headphones on and I put the mic up, I miss that. Like, I can just bounce off you guys. I always remember... Was it David Price, Christian Hammer? And we just had that thing between the three of us where we were like, how the fuck have they let David Price box again? Was that the one where you... The giraffe. He said he was like a giraffe. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and we could just buzz off each other. I think sometimes when you're on your own, you don't have that... that, that kind of... That, that springboard to work off. So... It's not conscious. It's not like I'm like, I'm just going to run this straight down the middle. It's almost like I'm just here on my own. Like, like who the fuck's going to buzz off me just going, this guy's a twat. Do you see what I mean? It's, it's hard. But I think if the podcast were to evolve to a more a sit-down, face-to-face thing, I think then the nature of the content would change as well. That, that's that's, that's mm-hmm. where my head is at at the moment. No, I, get, I get that entirely, to be fair. But... It's very different when you do it. Not that I've done one by myself, but if you have other people that you can chat to, and ideally in the room, yeah, not going to happen till about May time. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listen, unless you're yeah. Fritzel, then you're all right. My, my, I don't have it, and my kids don't have it because my kids have never left the basement. So we'll be just. <laughs> We were just locking down and what, 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 getting what, on with stuff. What did happen to Fritzel? Like, is he still locked up, or has he shown that he's a reformed character? Oh, I'm they not sure it's him who was locked up. <laughs> they they him up. They said, no, no one was, uh, no one was willing to testify against him, so they let him go and locked his kid back in the basement. So yeah, look, he didn't want to pay three quid a month to to help people, you know, fulfil their potential. He just brought them in himself. <laughs> Did he pay five pound a month for protein bars? 
<laughs> there were definitely bars involved, but I don't think there were protein bars. Maybe iron bars. <laughs> oh, Billy. Um, right, do we have any, anything non-Drunk Martin... Uh, sorry, do we have anything left to say that Drunk Martin and Drunk Terry that isn't going to be ridiculously outrageous? Or... Where's Madeline McCann? <laughs> <sighs> I knew this was going to spiral downwards, but I think the last five minutes has been quite a bit of a trench. <laughs> it's a genuine question. Where wait, wait. She? Can we stop? Andy, are you We're not drinking? 2020? No, I'm not drinking. I haven't had one, not one centiliter of alcohol has passed my lips since we started this podcast. Mate, that's... You failed. Like, like don't be mad at us. Like, you know... <laughs> we knew what this was. You know what you called Tony Bellew? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you, no, no, wait, 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 you know what you called him, and you can you can order them from Brains, right? Isn't it like a pork-based product? You can buy two well, in a pack. That's exactly what I was referring to. Fucking hell, most people that were so criminally offended by that, get on your fucking bike, you cunt. But they weren't, were they? They weren't really offended. No, they weren't. They were just knobheads on Twitter. Fucking hate them. To some extent, I wish I'd have just stood by it now and gone, yeah, well, we'll have it. (laughs) Do you know what? What what possible backlash was we going to get? Honestly, I I didn't mean it that way. I'll be honest with you, right? The easiest way to survive on Twitter is to be brutally honest, right? Sometimes you've got to go, do you know what? Yeah, I called Tony Bell your word I probably shouldn't have used, but it's happened. Get over it. Or you can just say, look... Look, I, I'm training a 16-year-old boxer and I've had sex with him. Get over it. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> Tell me, what are you possibly referring to? Oh, man. Something from the 1950s. Sorry. Got a bit out of line there. Hmm. Yes, I heard that that was... That was... Anthony Spell you. Oh, Terry. No, that's not who he's referring to. Um, no, I have no idea who he's referring to. That won't shock anyone who knows my boxing knowledge. Jesus. I man. do. Like, like, we're... Oh, dear. <laughs> we're, uh, we're, we're, uh, we're in equal parts wetless and hooligans, but look, this is what, sometimes this is what content's about. Like, we're, we are never going to be asked to front the DAZN broadcast, although I think we'd probably be the best three for it. We're never going to be asked to do Sky or BT Sport. Our role is just to be almost like the fucking... You know, you know like when people talk about animals, people talk about the lion being the king of the jungle, the tiger being this, but really the crocodile's a motherfucker you don't fuck with, but the crocodile just stays underwater chilling until the time is right. But when have you ever seen crocodiles starving? You never see the Attenborough program, do you? Where it goes, yeah, the crocodiles are starving because there's nothing to eat. Crocodiles always eat. And we're the crocodiles of this shit. We can return any time we want. We do what we want. We do what we want. Spencer (laughs) Oliver, we do what we want. He fucks who he wants. He fucks who he wants. <laughs> That's the best one I've heard. John Terry. 
He fucked who he won. I thought you were going to say Jimmy yeah. Savile. Thank God for that. Uh, no, I remember a specific football that was... <laughs> that was sung about, and it was even worse than that. Listen, they, they, oh, listen. They, 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 they were long-time Chelsea captains that got away with shaking 17-year-olds in their Bentley, and that story got suppressed in the media. Whew. Oh, yeah. How... There you go, man. <laughs> there were no rules when you've got that kind of money, as we found out in boxing and doping. Oh, oh, Terry, did you listen, do you listen, to the uh, BBC Boxing podcast? Begrudgingly. Specific, specifically, did you... Are you gone, or...? No, I'm still here. Can you hear me? Terry? Oh, I think mine might have gone. Yes. So, yeah, I'm still here. Uh, Terry, the BBC, did you listen to the episode where they were on, um, where they were talking about the Saudi Arabia, and they went to Saudi Arabia, and how, like, how glowing they were about Saudi Arabia? Tartan. He's not there. Hold on. I'm trying to try and bring him back from the dead. <laughs> Just mad is yeah, we could you... we could bring anyone in, right? Providing them your WhatsApp, you, uh, we, we could bring anyone in. Yeah, we could. Should we just do a random dial as to who have I even got on here that we could dial in? Wait, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. No, hold the line a second. Let me just try something. Right, I'm going to try Umar Sadiq. Let's see if he's on. All right. It's ringing apparently. Uh, that, so that hasn't worked, right? Who's got Linus's details? I haven't. I am. No. I, can, I can ring my mum if you want to get my mum on. Or we can no. try Eddie Hearn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll dial him. him. I'll dial him. Ready? <laughs> Hearn. Go then. There you go. Oh, fucking hell, he is as well. Oh, I'm not talking to him. No, 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 no. Let's go, let's go, let's go. <laughs> Fuck it. <that>. Shocker, <laughs> he's not picking up. Shocker. <laughs> is he not picking up? No. No, I know. Absolute shock. Oh, I'll count him. Ah, oh, Lord of mercy. I'll, I'll aim slightly lower. Let's go with liners. <laughs> aim slightly lower. <laughs> or slightly <laughs> up. It's ringing. These pictures they've got of their WhatsApp photos. Oh, oh, very, very, yeah. Yeah. very flattering. Yeah. Linus, pick up. He's not picking up, is he? No, I don't think anyone's going to want to pick up. No, give me a sec. Hold on. Oh, this is a real low in our podcast content. No, 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 no. No, it's not real high. Two of it, two of this are absolutely wasted, and we're trying to we're trying to call people. Well, we're saying we're trying to call people. Don't think we're going. No one can actually see the screens like I can. 
No, no, no. Hold on. Chill, chill. They are trying to call people. You want me to dial no. in Dillian White? Eddie Hans phone number looked like a personalised number. That was like well easy to remember that bad boy. Right, right, right. So I'm 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 trying rumour at the moment. I'm not sure if rumours are gonna say no, I'm in bed. But no one's got any fights coming up, we're all good. Yeah, that's true. Well, what do you think is your next fight? Like, I don't know when it's going to be. So Listen, let, no, no, no. Let's all bang the drum for Umar v. Lerone Richards. I'm oh, wait, no, no, no. So, so, so Umar can't because he might have suspected Corona, so he can't pick up the phone. I can't pick it up over the phone. Pick what up? Corona. Do you know that for sure? Not 100% no. Let's God see. damn it, I've literally no one that I could call that would be worthy of talking to or worth talking to. Call Michaela. Worthy. No, she wouldn't, I, she really would not appreciate that. That she would? Yeah. Does she know I'm on the call? Nah, come on, man. Should I call her? Available. <laughs> there, well, metaphor. <laughs> Who are you trying now? Who, me? Yeah. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try in the chamber. I've not tried yet, though. Well, I hope she doesn't say something that's pretty sad. Hello, something like that. I love this. This is when you got to just you got to pre. Oh, oh. Terry wanted me to ring you, so consider yourself rang. You're on a group call. You're on the podcast. What are we having, Goodwin? Hey, hey, call Goodwin. Well, yeah, yeah, get Goodwin in, man. I don't mind. Right, let's have him in. I don't, I don't feel like you're making the most of it. I rang her and you just instantly jumped to Goodwin. We could have started off with Goodwin. What do you want from me? <laughs> hey, Michaela, man. Hey, hey, Michaela, honestly, I miss you. No, I miss you too. Now, nah, you know when I see you next, man, the, the way I want to hug you, I don't know if your ribs will cope, but you've got to understand it is what it is. Is it going to be a boot hug? <laughs> hey, I, I, listen, I don't know what's going to happen, man. I, I, I'll try and restrain myself. <laughs> no, you won't. Why <laughs> lie? <laughs> right, I can't add in Goodwin right now. Well, I can. I can you, can, you can actually hang up. And uh, this was just a purely, I think, a novelty experience that Terry wanted to add someone to the conversation. Okay, you thought of me. Well, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, we thought of Eddie Hearn first. <laughs> yeah, we tried. We tried Eddie Hearn, but he didn't pick up. <laughs> okay then. Okay, bye. Bye. Mate, yeah, that's absolutely brilliant. The way that, that, Martin, Martin's first thing was dial Eddie Hearn. Just address the the Transformers thing head on. I love that. Let's go all in. Right, I'm going to Goodwin. Who mastered Eddie Hearn, Lionel Dofia 
my girlfriend. No, no, look, look. The only person look. to beat someone was my girlfriend. <laughs> okay, look. Okay, you know, guys, guys, hold the line, hold the line, hold the line. I'm trying to get to this call. Fuck, how do I get to... Uh... Okay. Steve's not picking up here. Nobody wants to pick up. Who would... Oh, hello? Oh, Steve. Hello? Steve, it's Martin Steve. and Andy. And Kelly. All right. How, how are you? <laughs> you're you're on the podcast, Steve. In isolation. Oh, no. <laughs> Is <everybody> good? <laughs> That's Terry. <laughs> how are you, Terry? You good? Mate, how are you? I'm well, I'm all happy. I'm in isolation, so it's not not a lot of fun at the moment, but... Self, so self-induced okay. or as a result of having the, the, the virus? No, still, no self-induced because of the health stuff I've got wrong with me, so... Mate, um, a, yeah, a, so and the stock market's fun. going apeshit as well, so it's not a good, it's not a good month, really. <laughs> no, no, things are not... I've had better months, better months. <laughs> Mate, my, my, my tip, mind. my tip at the moment, just jump on Microsoft. Really? Yeah. Well, <laughs> see, everyone laughed when I said this, but like having done operational resilience before, everyone's going to want to have Microsoft something, right? So everyone's going to upgrade their subscriptions. You want Microsoft Azure as your cloud platform. Resilience will be the yeah. thing for the next two years. So I think Microsoft shares will keep going up. They're yeah. Not qualified financial yeah. advice. That's just my opinion as a layman. <laughs> It's, it's, this is our new financial podcast, Steve. Sorry, we didn't clarify oh. that before. <laughs> we're about, six, we're about two, two hours in. God. Terry and I have been drinking throughout. So, uh... Oh, my God. Oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> I dread to think what you've been saying. That's been civilised. I think, I think we've, been, we've been measured about most things. That's Actually, one Terry, thing there hasn't been. There has not been civilised at all. <laughs> Terry said he. Terry said he'd like to meet you for a beer next time uh, you're both in London. That is true. Okay, sounds like a plan. Just uh, just hope we get to the stage where we can go and have a beer. That's the most important. Thing <laughs> in 2023. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and that's kind of why we called it all together tonight was to uh, to get the three of us together, and then we were just ringing random people to see who would join us. Oh yeah, that's good. That's nice. It's good. You, it's good you're back together doing your stuff. It's good. Good. Where's Johnny Flash tonight, then? <laughs> he's busy. He's in, he's in camp. Well, he's not. <laughs> Norwich. Actually, uh, yeah, we could, funny enough, we wouldn't have been able to ring Johnny Flash or Rick Ronman or Barry, in fact. And, and this, and we could have rang Rick or Barry when Martin was in the toilet. I suppose we could have done that. <laughs> We're debating one week, Steve, doing a, uh, a live negotiation with yourself as a manager. And see how it goes. But we didn't want to negotiate with me. That's probably not going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the point. Rick can try and work his magic against you. See if you fall into his uh, into his many traps. I've dealt with loads of Ricks in my life. My God. <laughs> 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 but you, you and Terry, Steve, you've got a backdated uh, history. We're going to wipe the slate clean, but. Obviously, all this stuff with coronavirus is going to yeah. set small hall boxing back months. A long time. A lot longer than I think people... <clears throat> deadly serious. I think a lot longer than people think it will. I think um, 
I think economically, with the amount of damage that's being done to pe- people in business and small businesses, do you imagine even if they get this sorted, the virus sorted in six months, who's going to fill up small hall shows? I think you'll get away with the, the people who come out and go to the big events, but the boxers who are asking their friends, family and all that stuff, and us sell, selling to the general public, that's going to be difficult, really difficult, because there's not no. going to be the money there. Because presumably that will also affect boxers when it comes to sponsorship by local firms. I think that's knackered. I mean, that's the problem, you see. The the problem you have is, I don't know what Terry's view on this is, but a lot of boxers that run around going, I'm full-time professional, and they're doing it by sponsorship. They're not really full-time pros. They've just got a load of, they've just been really good on getting sponsors to do it, but they're, but they're not good enough at their craft yet to get the real sponsorship, the TV sponsorship. So those guys now who haven't got a job are probably going to lose their sponsors. Terry, what did you say earlier? If your sole source of income is boxing, you're a mug. I agree. But here's the I thing. Agree. But it, it, And I think it goes back to one of the things I've said over a number of years. If you, if you have 10 amateur fights and you're signed to do small hall boxing, this is what happens to you. I legitimately think this is why you need to build up an amateur record number one and number two mm-hmm. while you're building that amateur record up you need to be getting people engaged now i look at an yeah. example here's an example and this is very recent mason smith jumped over into mm-hmm. i think it was mtk signed it didn't work no, out he was, for no, him. he was mo he was mo prior i'm sorry mo prior he wasn't doing yeah. numbers went back into the amateurs did the abas this season lost in the first round and now you're almost like mate all that profile you built up, GB trials and all of this, and you've just lost to a guy that no one's ever heard of. Oh, and my God. It's, it's terrible. That's why, Steve, you and I have talked about this before. I wouldn't sign a boxer who hadn't had at least 40 amateur bouts. That's my, that's my take on it. No matter how desperate they are, 40 the amateur bouts. The only thing is, for example, I'm fascinated. Now, I get, I get it. I mean, you'll be pleased to know, Terry, that the board of now said that basically, indirectly, are saying they will not turn anybody over who hasn't got amateur experience. They will oh. not get past the board's, board's um, application process. Thank God for that. How does that affect you, Steve, with like, the lads that you used to take off of the, the unlicensing? Well, it means they've got to go and do some amateurs. Um, I mean, the thing is, Ian Martel, who boot Lopez, on Saturday, the only thing that contradicts is Lopez had a brilliant amateur experience. He was... He was something like 75% wins in the amateurs, won plenty of titles. Martel's an ex-MMA fighter. And on Saturday, Martel was eight pro fights, beat Lopez for the Southern Area title. Yep. So in that instance, you've got a guy that um, that has no experience, but yet he is probably English title level, um, fighting a, top, a really good above-average amateur and beats him fairly comfortably, one by two rounds, but maybe three. Um, so it is a bit of a thing where there's always an exception to every rule. But had but he had no experience, you, you know, because there are guys who who will go into a boxing gym, they'll be, they'll spend a couple of years there, and then go, do you know what? Screw this, I'm off to do MMA. No, no, no. He was he was from MMA. He decided that he wanted to give boxing a go with no boxing experience. Turned over with no boxing experience whatsoever, and in fight nine, he's won a southern area. But he's not my fighter, so there's nothing, nothing to do with me, this guy. So, but he, he looks, he looks decent. But the the best example I have of 
I think this was your show, wasn't it, where Connor Hines boxed? Yeah. Now, Connor Hines hasn't had a lot of amateur bouts, but having trained him myself, he has, he has that freakish power that doesn't make any sense. And so he's the yeah. sort of guy that I look at and I go, none of your knockouts make any sense because everyone looks fine for the first couple of rounds until it all catches up with them and they just go, I don't need this in my life. I'm not paid enough for yeah. this kind of punishment. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 very, it's very true. I mean, again, I, it's very hard. But I know because I know you said this thing about 40 amateurs before. I think my view my view is I'm not as um, fast as that. I think everybody should be treated um, fairly. However, what I do agree with is there's a lot of kids that have turned over that shouldn't never have turned over. Never. Not good enough to turn over. Done so. And I think there's, there's plenty of them out there. Some of them are journeymen, some of them are home boxers. But I think, you know, there are but, I, but I, there are also some kids that, under the new rules, wouldn't have ever turned over and have ended up being very good. And so Sorry. I think these are teething problems because I go back to when, like, when I was learning the trade and learning the sport. Like someone like a Frank Maloney would go into the gym and he'd go, what's so-and-so like? Is he any yeah. good? And then you, you've got old veterans in your gym who go, do you know what? He probably needs another year on the amateurs before he turns over. And, yeah. and, and so what, what ended up happening is you ended up having guys coming in who had longevity in the game. I think what's happening now is kids are turning over with trainers who are kids themselves. And no, so I agree with that. you're not getting that filter anymore. That's fair. That's fair. It's really fair. No, that's really fair. I mean, it, it is a problem, and there's plenty of examples of it out there as well. And and you think, but there was also some kids that turn over with 15 amateur fights or 20 amateur fights, and they're miles behind kids who come from the unlicensed, miles behind. Who who? So it, it's sort of a bit. Um, it's sort of a bit difficult. I think the biggest problem the board have is that they take they took away the trial spa. Because now they can't, you know, the, the new thing, anybody can pass, as long as you fit, you're going to get past it. So that's why I think they changed the thing to the amateurs. But to me, it's still not it's still not as it should be, the actual thing. I think you do need to improve um, the, the quality. But it, it's also very difficult with with a lot of these, these kids turning over because it's not just good enough to turn over. You, as you know, Terry, if you can't, if, if you turn over these kids and they're not good enough for the TV promoters and they don't sell tickets, they're stuck in the world. That's just stuck in the middle of nowhere, aren't they? They've got, they've got no hope. And it doesn't matter whether they small or go on to the big hall. If you're going to someone like Frank already heard, both find they expect them to, they want them to sell tickets. And if they don't, you soon find they're sort of left on the side. And they're getting Terry, that same problem. Your job, no, no, but that's the same problem that they've got, right? Because you're signing guys now and you're going, well, he's Team GB, therefore he must be good. But no one's ever, no one's, no one's actually watching the fighter and going, where's your headroom? That's always my question with someone. Give me someone yeah. with five bouts, 20 bouts, it doesn't matter. What I'm looking at is, where's your headroom? What are the things you can learn that will make yeah. you a better fighter? Number one. Number two, do I see you being able to operate at world level? So I had an interview yesterday with Donald Smith, who is one of the trainers yeah. at the Matchroom Gym. And we're yeah. talking about this. And we're saying there are some people you just meet 
who who are special and you know they're special. And there's some guys you meet and you go, I think you win a Southern area title, but that's probably your ceiling. And boxers aren't Fair. realistic about that ceiling. Fair. And we've got, we've got a few kids at the moment who I think are really, really, really decent. We're way above Southern area level. And you've got, you, you know the ones that are going to go much further. You know that. And you know the ones that have got a good amateur record and just aren't that good. Um, and I, we've had a few in the last year. They, they sort of unraveled as not being that good, yet you would have thought they're going to be good. So it's, it's quite a difficult... Some of it's down to training and some of it's down to having the wrong teams around them. But it, it is very, very difficult to get that. You get the odd one, you get the odd few that come through and you think, like the line issue don't who had 40-odd amateur fights, he was always going to be very good. Brad Paul's had a lot of amateur fights. He was always going to be very good. So they stood out, in other words. Because, yeah, you know, you had and, and if you look at those two, Brad, Brad went a long way in national competitions. Linus, yeah. I always remember Linus because he boxed, he boxed Jermaine Brown. Yeah. And we know what Jermaine Brown's gone on to do. He's a good kid, Jermaine Brown, yeah, for sure. So, so you know that Linus is in high company because I think Jermaine Brown is a he could realistically challenge for a British title. I think Lions can challenge for a British agree. title. So That's they're great. at that level. But if yeah. you look at both of those guys, they came from what I call the old school system, where it was, we're going to give you loads about, so you make all your mistakes now. Yeah. And what, what you're seeing now with a lot of guys is they're going to other gyms that aren't as old school. You get to five fights, you've been matched carefully, so you're undefeated. And then that's yeah. it. Yeah, it's fair. That's no, fair. It's fair. I mean, we've got another good cruiserweight kid like, called Jamie Smith, who I think is exceptional. Absolutely. You love Jamie Smith, don't you, Steve? Oh, he's brilliant. He's going to be... He's, he's, he'd win the southern area tomorrow, probably. And he's only had two fights. So... But he's weird. But he's, he's had all the... He's had loads and loads and loads of experience. He's 29. But he's exceptional. But you know he's exceptional. You know when you got him. You know when you got him. You think, this kid's wild average so you know that, that's the sort that you can you know you know who you've got is going to become way above average and that's yeah. what we and so that's what we need to do right we need to filter out yeah. the oh sorry uh, no while we've got Steve on the line yeah discuss your ideas of how small ball boxing could have improved in 2020 ignore the coronavirus yeah can that never happen how could boxing improve in 2020 at small hall level so we talked to you earlier about this, and I said what, what MTK did is MTK took a guy that was big in Manchester, a guy that was big in wherever, and they said, right, you guys are all going to box in London. And so what that did is it brought a Manchester market with a Birmingham market to potentially a London market. And the only way that I... And this is an MTK model, for example. The only way I see small hall guys doing that is them going... I need to accept sometimes my, my guy is going to be a B-side somewhere else. But as long as I can get something back in return, it all makes sense for us to work together. I just don't think you can be an island in this current era because there's not enough talent for you to, to ring fence your guys around, if that makes sense. But the, sorry, the MTK model works because they've got unlimited supplies of money, whereas the rest of the promoters don't have that and that's why that that can work I could make that work if I had the money and the money that they had but if you don't have that money 
it's very difficult to do it because the maths of small ball boxing don't add up, and it's different with how they how they operate to everybody else. No, agreed. But but now let's look at it from let's look at it from what we know is true. MTK aren't going away anytime soon. No, so, of course not. so so all they all all they're going to do is encroach into your territory. So if I'm uh, if I'm an MTK guy, I'm looking at Linus Adolfia. I'm looking at all Steve Goodwin's top guys. I'm looking at Errol Johnson's top guys. I'm looking at Steve Wood's top guys and saying, well, if you come under us, we'll build you and we'll get you on TV. No, because- no, that's, that's where, no, that's where it differs. And I don't want to get into an anti-MPK on an open podcast, but no, they, we, build, we build the fighters from scratch. They just put them in fights. So there's a different model to... I mean, I spoke to Linus in great detail about this, and it's a, they, they operate something totally different. They're providing a product where they will just put everybody in together and the fittest survive, which is fine. It's a great product. That's not what we're doing. We're trying to build, like the Dion Juma of this world, we're trying to build him from where he was on the wilderness to become a British champion and then get a, a decent TV contract and be able to be managed and matched totally the, the way that we want to. They have a different model. They're providing a, re- a good... And to be honest, the shows are good. They're good competitive fights on the shows, and that's great, but it's a totally different thing to what I'm doing. But if I totally can ask you a question, Steve, right? Yeah. Who built Dan Aziz if it wasn't MTK? Oh, no, Dan, if Dan Aziz is one. He hasn't got... He's not there yet, but Dan Aziz... I'm talking about resurrecting a career from somebody that's sitting there with nowhere to go. Dan Aziz is there, but I can... And I don't want to get into it. I'm not going to get in an anti-NTK thing. Absolutely not. I'll tell you where. I'm not going to sit here and say, this is where it hasn't gone well. I'm not going to do that. Because Dan Aziz, absolutely. I mean, like Dan Aziz is so talented. Um, you know, the worst manager in the world could probably build Dan Aziz <laughs> because he's so good. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not going to go into it. I'm not going to discuss NTK. Um, what, I, what I would say is they're good at what they do. And so, I think, and I think my point was actually that you've got these two competing ideologies. So if you if you don't get picked up by a big TV promoter, Frank or Eddie, you then have that yeah. choice of uh, do I go with MTK, where it is kind of sink or swim, but if I back my talent, yeah. I'll get on TV, or do I go with a small hall route where it's a bit more considered, but I might take longer to make it on TV. In fact, I might never make it on TV. You should go with Steve Goodwin at that point. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to get. Into, I don't. Want to, I don't want to get into a, the reasons why. I don't. I don't want to do that because I just concentrate. On what we do. We we build. We build the champions. We do get fighters onto TV. We do it. If they're not good enough, then they don't. They don't make it. But we give them every chance. There's plenty of fighters that don't make it through because I look at it and think that wasn't a really smart fight to take. And I'm not talking about anybody in general. What we try to do if they've got the talent is I believe that every single fighter that we've got has the, has the optimum chance to, to get there. And they will get there, and they do get there in the end. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, when we're talking about TV, I don't know what you're classing as TV. If you're classing ESPN Plus as TV, TV is it's where they're doing the golden contract. Yes, that's TV, because sponsors will get involved with that. And I think that's very important. And what they've done, their golden contract, is fantastic. It's a brilliant concept, but when you've got the money to do something... You can do it. If I became a multi-millionaire overnight, I'm sure I could improve the product tenfold. And I think, and this is the point I, that when we and Martin speak a lot, 
I always say that. What I'm talking about, that's the end product of the show as opposed to the management of the fighter's career. They are two totally different things. I don't class myself as a promoter. I class myself as a manager that that is involved with doing shows. No, no, not, no, to, not yeah. to promote us. So, so, and, and so this comes back to one of the discussions we had earlier in the podcast before you joined. If you're a, if you're a young prospect, what you're really looking for is, and, and it frustrates me because everyone is in a, in a rush to get there, maybe sometimes mm-hmm. before they're ready. But it is that, yeah, it's that, right. Look, I'm knocking people out in sparring. I'm knocking people out in the amateurs. Get me to a British title. Yeah. And MTK is saying, okay, here are your steps. If you can overcome all these steps, that's your British title shot. And so what, from what I'm gathering, what you're saying is sometimes you've got to pull someone back and go, no, 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 build your craft, make it sustainable, then we'll push you through. Because when we get there, you know, it's not good enough, Terry, for five you're giving up your career as an amateur. You're giving up your career as a pro. If you, you know, my my thing is this: there's no point being a British champion if you should be a European champion. There's no point being an English champion if you should be a British champion. You've got to take those fighters to higher levels than their ability allows them to do, because otherwise they might go and get one payday, get beaten up, then they become uh, a glorified journeyman. Um, take, I'll just give you one example: Sir Oscar, who's just become a glorified. Stepping Stone, who was a, supposed to be a big prospect at one point, he just becomes, he goes in the big fights and loses. You know, for me, that's not what I'm about. I'm about, I'm about trying to create the opportunity so that when they get there, they can make, they can become stars and make life-changing money. But I can only do that if I've got the talent that I'm managing to do that. But I don't think that I've ever, I think this is fair, had one boxer who has never reached their potential under me. Wadi Camacho, you could argue, overachieved when he was dead in the water. Frank Bully, only British champion with that many defences. I know you weren't a fan anyway, but when you look no, at it, no, 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 wait, 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 no, 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 no. We've got to stop that for a second. No, that's not fair. No, no, that's not fair. That's not fair. That's not fair. That's not fair. Don't accuse him of slander, Terry. For God's sake. I just said with Frank, no, no, I just said with Frank, the belts are being protected here, and I was uncomfortable with that. No, but listen, whatever it was, when his, when you look back in history and somebody says, this is what happened with Frank Bullioni and this is what he did, a lot of people would, may say that was very good management. And that's my job. My job isn't to put Frank Bullioni in the hardest British title fight that I can possibly put it in. It's the job to maximise the money he earns and to give him the easy, the relatively the easiest fights he can with the biggest potential to go further. Now, I, with Frank, for example, I wanted to vacate the British title rather than fight uh, Gallagher fight, uh, the Callum Johnson. Callum you, Johnson. you wanted him to fight Ward, right? We could have got a, we could have got a world title eliminator against somebody from Mexico or Argentina, and he probably have won that. Steve, couldn't you have fought Andre Ward? Yes, we had the Andre Ward fight offered. And yeah, so and so. This is good because I can almost revisit my new age boxing podcast days. I love this, man. This is it's catharsis for me. This <laughs> is not the greatest hit. No, no. It, well, well, it is. This is what the fans wanted, right? They were just like, "How are Terry and Steve not on the same podcast?" But issue with Frank was no, 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 no. Be realized. No. So the issue with Frank was the belts were held hostage, 
And I think we all knew that as soon as Frank met someone, even at British level, who, who knew what they were doing, he was in trouble. And I have nothing against Frank. I'm just the guy that says, when you've got a British title, let's just represent that belt right. Because it's about a lineage. You want to know that the people that have won this British title have won it against good people and have defended against good people. And I'll call out no, all the guys who've no, had soft agree. defenses. Why is the British title exclusive of any other title? There's plenty of titles yeah, they get. The job, that get. The job is really simply, right, to make the boxer as much money as you can for them without ripping them off and charging them too much, giving them good guidance, good advice, and maximising their career earnings and maximising what they can win. I'm not there when I manage a fighter to make a good fight for a good fight that the public particularly want. My duty is to that fighter to get him the most money for the least risk. Steve, are you allowed to say on here what money you took off Frank for those fights? No, but it wasn't very much. No, I can't no, say I that. But you know, no, I, you know what it is, Martin, you know. No, I know what it was, but I wasn't sure whether you were allowed to No, I don't it. want to say that, because, but, but, you, but you know it was really fair. <laughs> More than that. You know, I, bit, yeah. I, I could if anyone wants me to. No, but let's not, let's not do that, because it's very, it's very fair. You don't know, Terry, but it's very fair. No, no, I do. You, 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 know, do you? you know, people trusted me for a bit. They told me. But I, I also respect your well, confidentiality. You know, I, like, I like Frank. He's a very honourable man, and I was glad to be a part of his career. And, um, and that was it. But yeah, it's, so going back to it, it's about it's about Wadi Kamasa would never resurrect his career as he had have done without careful matching. Uh, no, 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 but so I'm, now, now I'm going to step away from being standard Terry podcast guy to just being a fan and going, now that you put that out in the public, at least now the public understand the, the considerations. Now they can say, well, okay, I'm never going to get the fights that I feel I deserve unless they're mandated. Because manager's job, a manager's job is to, you know, maximize income, minimize risk. And, you know, I think we all understand Correct. that. But we then, we then can't now criticize fans when they go, this fight's bullshit, that, that card's bullshit. Because we just say, well... Now, can I just say, can I say <laughs> where the difference is? Now, there is a difference between what I do and what you do on Matchroom. I don't like to see the guys on Matchroom fighting the Mexican guy that's going over in a round or two. That's ridiculous. We're talking about competitive fights but not necessarily the putting fighters in wars all the time it's just being smart and, and actually looking at what are you looking at for the fight right I'm really looking after his best interest what do I want him to have what makes the most sense for him it's not about what product might look we put on good small hall fights at the top of the build the rest of them are building but when my fighter wants to move on and I'm trying to get him to British level it's about being as smart as I can and getting him as much money as I can but I'm not looking at the model thinking, oh, I've got a contract here with blah, blah TV. I just want to put the fight on. That's all it's about. I'm not really that fussed who wins. It's about just building a product. Now, that's what we're about. It's trying to say, well, we want to take the fighters above and beyond what their talent should allow them to do. And if I do that and maximise the money, I might have done a good job. So can I ask you a question? No, no, can I, can I ask you a question quickly? So, yeah. so we take a Wadi Camacho, um, top level amateur, represented this country numerous times. Yeah. How how can we say him being Commonwealth champions overachieving? In fact, you know what? If, 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 no, if I can just say something, 
I'd yeah. I'd look back at his career and go, how the hell has he not achieved more? When guys like Steven Simmons did more, guys like uh, Shane McPhilbin did more. You know, and I'm not saying you this is blame, against you. You can blame the manager. You can blame the managers that had him at the height of his powers. When I got him, it was on the back of three losses, and his career was in tatters. So, yes, I totally agree. But by the time I got him, he wasn't the same fighter that he was in his heyday. I got him at the end, right at the end, when he was not he was not the same fighter anymore. Which because I got him on the back when everybody had told him to retire. He had three losses. He'd been he'd lost to Simmons. He'd been stopped by Craig Kennedy twice, and his career was dead in the water. I resurrected a fighter that had gone totally AWOL and got him and, and resurrected some of the talent that he had, but I didn't have him in his heyday. If he'd been managed well in his heyday, my God, I could have done wonders with him. Well, no, no. Did you resurrect him or did you move him away from the landmines? Did I resurrect him? Well, I think you're resurrecting somebody where everybody told him to retire and he was finished. So that's a resurrection. You then had to... You had to get with Waddy. You had to get into him as a manager. He's my friend now, Waddy, and and you had to become his friend because I liked him. You had to get his trust. You had to get. He had to listen to where I thought he should go and be trained. In the end, he had to listen to everything. You had to motivate him. You had to be his friend. You had to listen to him. You be his whatever it was. I had to do, and that was all part of the rejuvenation of him. Was actually being part, being that with him and being close to him and helping him. And nobody, and that's what that's what I did with Waddy. And he's still my friend today. He's, he's he's finished now, obviously, but he's still my friend today. Because I remember when I was when I was, I think I, I can't remember where I was. When I was criticizing Hearn, and I said Waddy Camacho was one of Eddie Hearn's day one guys, and he never seemed to look after him once he got to a he certain didn't. level. And that always upset me because Waddy was there. If you look at the Hearn cards from I think it's like 2013, 2014. Yeah. 2012, Waddy's there, and then you're like, well, Eddie, you've looked after everyone else, you've thrown everyone else a bone, but you kind of left Waddy Camacho to to just drift away, which always upset me, because, number one, I like Waddy, I think he's a, he's one of the and characters you, in the sport. And I, will tell you, and I will tell you off air what happened, but I'm not going to say it on air. Okay, no, no, well, you know, we're, owed, we're due a beer, so we can do that. Hundred <laughs> percent. But there's a lot. There's a Steve, story to that Woody Camacho thing. Yeah. Steve, can I ask you a question that you're more than welcome not to answer? Go on. And I probably know the answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. In terms of when you have a fighter with a bigger promoter, and you see them doing interviews where they start talking about the fighter's future and fights they may or may not take, as a manager, does, does that frustrate slash piss you off yes <laughs> totally because they've got nothing to do with them and it builds a false expectation as to what's possibly going to happen because what happens is <clears throat> I said this to Dion Juma and I can say this right Eddie Hearn doesn't want Dion Juma has no interest <laughs> in him whatsoever, right? I was doesn't never going to bring this up doesn't want him to be on the A side doesn't want him really to be on the B side I don't know why. I don't know why. But I said to Dion, once he wins the British title, Dion want to be his best friend. Right? And then Eddie will talk as if he's guiding Dion Juma's career if he becomes the champion. Right? That's what's going to happen. But it's bullshit. I'm guiding Dion Juma's career. I'm doing it. It's just that that's how it works. Frank, <laughs> Frank, Frank does the same thing. But you talk as if you're sitting there and thinking, that is really not happening. 
no, that's not what we're going to do, and blah, blah, blah. But maybe it is. It does piss me off. Because you just think, re- but it's part of it's part of what happened. The reference points I was thinking of were back to when Hearn was thinking of, like, Buglioni versus Kovalev, and he would talk about that potential fight. I know. Do you remember that? And I, and I knew, I knew that wasn't going to happen because I've spoken with you. And yet I watched an IFL interview where he was talking about the potential of it happening. And it was never happening. No, Not I know it wasn't. Years. Not for the money that was on offer anyway. And yet we were listening to IFL <laughs> interviews at the time whereby it was potentially happening and I knew it wasn't going to. Yeah. Exactly. We do so exactly. listen to it. When promoters do that, is that to try and wrestle some control, or is it just to look like they're in control? You need to ask them. Because <laughs> <laughs> God knows what I just... I mean, at the end of the day, we're, we're, we're promoted by the promoter, but in all the contracts that I have, which I don't know whether that's the same with all managers, and maybe that's why I piss off some people, is I insist on the ultimate control of the fight, so I do not sign away the right any promoter to tell us who we're fighting. I always have a veto. Um, going, uh, Steve, we, we talked uh, quite a lot on this, uh, the front end of this pod about um, what this lockdown, this coronavirus is going to do to the future of boxing. And we briefly touched on it at the beginning of when you, when you came on. But if you had to predict what's going to happen to the sport of boxing on the small and the sort of big hall scene, if you like, on the major major side of things, what can you what do you think is going to happen? Well, the first thing is it depends on. Well, also for me, I'm in lockdown for God knows how long I'm going to be in lockdown. But it depends on whether whether there is a medical um, situation that will that will be able to save people from the coronavirus. So. If they can bring medicine out, and I know there's talk in various areas, they've got this drug at the moment they're looking at. If they can bring that out quite quickly and within the three months that Boris Johnson seems to be talking about today, then the damage won't be that bad. It'll be bad, but not that bad. It'll probably take six, seven months to get back. If, however, there is no there is no virus, there is no uh, medical science, and we're just playing the numbers game of trying to use the summer to play down the virus, and the virus is going to come back in October, November. I can see small hall boxing being out for over a year. Nobody will be able to buy a ticket. They won't have the money. They'll have the people scared, and those that do go out um, are not going to have the money because firms still won't be trading properly. So I think... It all depends on what happens with the medical situation and the virus. But depending, I mean, if we don't get a cure for 12 to 18 months, then the small hall boxing is in real trouble. Oh, but, wow. I, got, I, mean, I think it's a depressing thought, isn't it? <laughs> I, I describe this, Steve, as every other sport, like football, has a base salary. Yeah. Whereas boxing doesn't have. Um, anything like that. No. Because, like, in football, you would end up with the Premier League would get X amount from Sky, X amount from BT. There's nothing like that for you, like, is there? It's, no. I mean, I spoke to a lot of other promoters and managers, people like Ayal Johnson, who takes a full-time income out of boxing, and he just said this will ruin him. 
Yeah. You don't think you'll get I, the Victoria World Cup? And, and a lot of others would as well, because there's a lot of people in boxing who are going to exit boxing if yeah. if this doesn't get resolved quickly. And because I can't see, you know, I know people class me up. <clears throat> I know I have a disagreement with Jamie Spate on this because he thinks this is so overdramatic, but it's not. I mean, it, you know, the people don't understand the, the economic implications of what the government's having to do with throwing money at small businesses, giving money, giving mortgage holidays, giving this. This money's all got to be paid back. And people are going to be without jobs. And <clears throat> when, for example, when they go back to work, they're going to be doing this with debt and owing money. They're not going to be shelving out loads of money for small pool boxing. It's not going to happen. Not going to happen. So promoters, if they want to stage fights, are going to do it half-empty halls. Who's going to do that? Boxers aren't going to sell the required amount of tickets to cover it. The board are not going to give any <clears throat> any um, reduction on their fees, so they'll be chasing their fees. They'll probably put them up. <clears throat> so the squeeze will be too great, and the margins as they stand at the moment are so narrow. And that's now. Well, that's a good thing. Well, hold on. No, no, no. That's a good thing, right? Because, and let me choose my words carefully because I know people are going to listen to this and take a few. Why? Why wouldn't have a lifetime? (laughs) (laughs) No, no. There's a a lot of detritus that you see on small hall cards. And I I speak as someone that's traveled across the country. There There are guys that shouldn't be doing this because it's just not worth it. And... Maybe the tougher economic climate will say, well, actually, we need to revisit how we do this. And you ask your question, in a tight-end economy where people have less money, how do we draw people in? And let me not talk about who deserves to box and who doesn't deserve to box. It's not my place. But it will force promoters, the, the custodians of the product, to ask this question. What can I put together that will get the fans to come through the doors? And I think it, it should force a, a raising of the level. And that's what I'd like to see. Can I tell you something? Can I tell you something too about small law boxing? I'd happily go through this with you in more detail. And this is God's honest truth. This, right? Martin will tell you this. I can put the worst show on in the world, right, with a bunch of four rounders against journeymen, right? And I will sell four times the tickets to the general public on that show than I would do if I put on two English titles and a southern area title in fifty-fifty fights. I can because, confirm that. Because of, because of the date. Right? In March. Yeah, well, yeah, we've got them all booked up anyway, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> so we've got, we, we basically, and there's other dates as well, you sell on the date, not on the fight. I can put the best card out, right? And it doesn't, and the amount of sales for that card will be worse than an absolute shite card that I wouldn't even get out of the <laughs> Okay, no, no, so, so, so that's a really interesting point. What I'm point. Just trying to say is, it's about, it's, so I understand in principle, but if you actually, if you actually go and look at all the numbers that we do in the market we do, it tells a totally different story. Because I can put, if I put it on, on the wrong part where people don't go, there's certain times of year people go more than they go others, it doesn't sell. So therefore, that is not what solves the problem. That is not, what makes the um, the product go? Now, if I tell you, for example, in March, the fourth, the third, the show that got aborted, which was the Eudophia against Brennan, was um, Wahomey against um, Dillon. Liam Dillon, had uh, Sean, Sean Robinson, Adrian Martin, really good 50-50 fights, 
had two other 50... So we had five 50-50 fights on. Well, I don't think Lyons was 50-50, but English title fights on. And we had the 7th of March, two weeks before, that had a pile of four and six rounders on it. The 7th of March oversold the 21st of March by three to one. And that's purely because of the day? Purely because of the day. But, but oh, no, no, wait, 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 no, we, we need... <laughs> Here's me being the, the data analyst that, that I, I pretend that I am. It depends, right? You, you could have a process that says, look, based on how we currently look at things, this is what works, this is what doesn't work. But there's always a question that says, are we looking at the right things? Are we looking at the right triggers? Are we looking at the right responses? I don't know the right answer to that, Steve. But what I am saying so the, is... The answer is, I've got, I've got data, Trevi, I've got data going back 10 years, and that's what I do, right? So the boxing side... The boxing side of things about who throws the best left hook, who's the most talented, right? I bow to your better judgment. Because you are an experienced man. You know boxers. You know boxing. You're, I mean, whilst I think I'm a fair judge, you're an excellent judge. In terms of data, analysts, financial stuff, da 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 da, da I'm an expert. You need I to take a knee there. You need to take a knee there. No, wait, wait, no, 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 no. Wait, 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 no. So I know in terms of, I know in terms of what we've done to sell something, and I find it crazy because I think logically that we should put on better cards and we will sell more tickets to the public. But when you reach the household names, like AJ, it's a totally different angle. When you're dealing with people that are not household names, it doesn't necessarily work. Now, for example, when Joe Gallagher put on Sam Hyde against Dion Juma, that's a cracking fight in Manchester, right? 450 people was in the arena. Wow. 450 people. Why was it? I'll tell you why there was 400. Do you want to know why there was 450 people in the arena? Because it was the 10th of the month, wasn't it? No, I know. 19th of January. Stuff <laughs> Mm. No, 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 so, so, no, so, so th- th- those bits I, I agree with, but what I'm saying is, and there are, there are places where I'll bow to experts, so if you have data on ticket sales, I'll always bow to that. I've got data to go back 10 years of every single show that's ever, you know, done, so yeah. Yeah, no, but, yeah, so, yeah, no, no. So I do, I tell you, I do agree with you, I do agree with you in principle, but when it comes back, it's all about, honestly, all about... And I've got, I've got a kid called Amar Kiani, right? He's a good ticket seller. He's actually really talented as well, which is handy. Um, uh, yeah, he's a good lad. And But yeah, but he will fill up, he will do hundreds of tickets, right? Because he's very popular, blah, blah, blah. Then you've got another kid who could be in the best fight ever. And I'm talking about seven areas in a 50-51st ever title fight. He'd probably do 40 tickets. Uh, nobody would, would buy yet. Yet the fight might be fantastic. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a and question. Right? And, and what we've done in this conversation, I think, Steve, is at various points you've jumped between manager and promoter, which is fine yeah, because I'm about two different angles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've jumped between pro- as a manager. The ticket seller's cool up until a certain point. So uh, let me let me choose my words carefully. So like a Florian Marku. And I know you worked yeah. with them in the past. I don't know if you currently do. Yeah. But Florian Marku, great ticket seller, but it's a ceiling to what he can achieve in boxing, right? Agreed. But as a manager, what you're looking for is the guy that's got limitless headroom where you're like, like a Linus Adolfia. For me, Linus is the guy I look at and I go, I'd put him in a British title fight at some point in the next 12 to 18 months. 
Totally agree. And agree so, and so yeah. when we're having this conversation, I know you're talking about ticket sellers making things profitable. And as a promoter, that's what you, you care about. But as a manager, you're looking at who can I take to those places where this is where it gets memorable, where you're doing big pay-per-view shows. I and you're totally agree. Totally agree. The only thing is to get to that memorable place, they've got to be a ticket seller to get there. You can't take... I mean, take your boxer, the one that you that you bought to me, John Pilata, right? <laughs> oh, God, are we going to do no, this? No, 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 because I like John, but he had plenty of talent, right? We accept that. He had plenty of talent, struggled like mad to sell a ticket. He was a very... He, could, he really struggled. So, it's... it's and, and didn't, in my opinion, have, in the end, have the right... It just all went wrong for him in terms of the setup. But But the whole thing was, sometimes the talented kids just don't get there but Linus was easier to do because he would just roll along sell his tickets didn't feel financial pressure had sponsorship he would make money every, he would make good money every time he had a fight he, we could build him without any pressure he knew what he was doing he was happy with what he was earning it made the whole trend the whole job smoother so he played a major part in that as well can I just touch on the John thing because I think if you the, the listenership this is the bit they've waited for um, here's the thing I, I have with John and bear in mind I've known John since 2014 no I've known John since I know, 2012 I know friends, you're friends with him you're close to him yeah I know you're close John, John's like a young brother to me so for me the yeah. issue with John was John went to a trainer who I really respect as a man but tried to turn John into someone that he's not right. and and so before we'd gone to I'll, see I'm going to mention names it's that sort of podcast before he'd gone to Don <laughs> No, yeah. before John had gone to Don, John and I had spoken. I said, John, the next three years will be you being John Plata, the athlete. But beyond that, you're going to be John, the, the animal. Right? I don't know who's dropped off. Andy. Okay. Okay, cool. Now I'm still recording, so mine will still go out. No, no, so, no you've, got the whole, you've got the whole exclusive. <laughs> no, so from my perspective, and John and I talked about this, there's going to be a a first half of your career and a second half of your career. And that's what we shared with John before John signed. And I was always concerned when I saw certain things happening in that gym where I was like, this isn't what we need to be doing for John to win. And John got away with it because he was experienced and he had had amateur bouts. But what happened was, Mm -hmm. and and I saw this in the, uh, what do you call it? The ultimate boxer. Eventually he met someone where they hadn't prepared him for this sort of look at the lower level Sometimes you just got to bang out. Yeah, you got to stand in the middle he, of the ring. He had left on Charles. He left on Charles by this. Point, Absolutely, but but, this but there was yeah. still that legacy kind of, you know, the the hangover from that because John and I would talk, and I was like, mate, we need to get back to seek and destroy. Now I don't know if we're going to get back to that, but psychologically, that was a challenge. So when people say John underperformed, look, I accept that, but. And it's, this is one of the things I had to learn in 2019. Sometimes the trainers you think are special aren't necessarily right for the guys that you want to work with. And, that was, and I always felt for John because I, I've seen John mince people in sparring. When you give him that trigger to, to just smash into people, he's done it. So it was disappointing. And, and I know people say that. Because when, 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 when you brought him to me, um, I was expecting to see something really, really special. 
And John Pilate will tell you that his one thing with me was I was never, he was saying to me, you don't rate me, you don't rate me. I was just being honest with him that things weren't right, okay, because he wasn't performing like I expected him to perform. But he took that, that I didn't rate him. I said, well, I'm not rating you, it's just you're not performing. So, you know, so let's touch on that because now I always go back to the show we did on December 2nd where I roasted everyone on the card of December 1st. You know, I did. Mm -hmm. John, Enel, uh, Daniel Mendez, everyone on there. And my exact words were, Martin, if you're on the line, feel free to correct me. I said, Steve Goodwin's given everyone a platform here to show what they're capable of and they haven't delivered. And okay. and somehow between that and your conversation with, with John P and Don, it turned into Terry said John's not good enough. And then what happened after that was Don switched the phone off, like the comms turned off. And I was like, I haven't said anything in public that I hadn't said in private. You never, you never said, but you never said that. You know, I was the one, if you ask John, ask John, I've never said that to John, ask John if he, when you speak to him, if he used to say to me, you don't rate me, I was saying it, I was saying it for me, I never mentioned your name to him, but I, but John came up to my office, and we had a discussion, and I like him, but we both agreed to disagree, I said he wasn't, I said, as you are at the moment, you're not going anywhere, and I was being honest, and, I, and I'm always going to be honest, I'm not going to blow smoke up boxes, asses, but on the other hand, if they perform well, I will tell them that I think they're going to be great, but if they're not performing, I say to them, what's going wrong? Why are you not performing? What needs to change? That was it. But he's an example of somebody that should have done so well. Now, under me, he didn't lose, right? So he was winning because I was matching him accordingly. Um, but it, things weren't... He wasn't the fighter that, that you would have expected him to be. Well, and, and, and no, listen, I agree with you because I'd be sat there going, look, when he worked with me, he understood the core principles. One, heavyweights own the middle of the ring. Two, heavyweights yeah. seek and destroy. And then three, under pressure, that's when you use your skills. But before that, you entertain the fans. And, and yeah, look, sure. and I hate throwing people under the bus, but he went into other camps. And all these other camps, what they see is, and, and this is something, this is that kind of trainer to trainer conversation. When you see an athletic heavyweight, you almost try and impose your fantasies on how a heavyweight should box. Instead of thinking, actually, how does this guy want to fight? And John's a guy that just wants to get in there, work, 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 and then get you with that counter left hook, wobble you, and take you out. And that's why yeah. he did really well when he sparred with David Hay. Because he was always waiting for David to throw that right hand, and he was always able to time him with that left hook that came over and work him, which is what Bell you ended up doing in that fight. And you remember, you and I had that conversation the same day. Yeah. I said, you know... You make yourself a few million here, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. No, so, and, and, and so when Martin, when Martin said to me, Terry, why are you upset with Steve? I was like, look, if John's ringing me up saying Steve Goodman said, you, Terry said you were shit, I'm like, why didn't Steve ring me first before we had that conversation? Can Just- I say, Terry, I didn't, I didn't say that. I never, ever said that to John Plaza, ever, ever. And if John's listening, he can ring me tomorrow. I never said that. I never said. I said. I did say to him, and he was. And Kevin was in the office at the same time. He said to me, "You've never. You don't rate me. You've never rated me." And that probably and Kevin, becomes an offline conversation. 
Yeah, exactly. Not that's not for now. But that, yeah, that, that's the so, beer chat. Yeah. <laughs> so no, but, but again, again, I'm being honest. I didn't rate John when he was boxing for me. I didn't. Let's be honest. I didn't rate him, and he knows I didn't because I told him. I said, "I rate you, but you're not for me." Yeah, no, no, and, and and there's no dispute here. I, I'll look. I'm the toughest critic on the guys that I know. Where I say, listen, we should be doing no, better are. because we know better. And and let, let me give you an example, we, right? That night with John, yeah. December first, I literally got up. I said to John, "That wasn't what I wanted to see. That's not good enough. I don't know why at the moment, but I need to find out why that wasn't good enough. But we're going to talk tomorrow." John and I, ra- I rang John about 10 o'clock Sunday and I said to him, listen, round one, you attacked 16 times around. Round two, you attacked 18 times around. Round three, I think he had dropped off by that point. And so I'm saying to John, look, yeah. elite level heavyweights are attacking 27 to 35 times around. So what were you doing in that fight? And, you know, and I said to him, this is where the gap is, right? Don't worry about what we do with the 35 attacks. That's, that's, our, that's our job as trainers to figure out. Your job is to build your capacity to do that every fight, every round. And John and I talked about that. And then I came on the podcast and I said, look, here's what I thought. I spoke to John. Here's what I thought the deficiencies were. Here's where the gap is. Here's how we're going to get there. And then he, when he fought with Frank and he fought the first guy, and the guy was a bit of a soup can, but the numbers made sense. He was he was in the thirties in terms of attacks. Hello, hello. I'm Do still it? here. Am I still here? I lost Terry. Okay. Something are about the it, Are you group. doing it? Are you doing it on a group? Are you working together then? <laughs> no, no, we're all in isolation. How are you, all of you? Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Right, we haven't got Andy, have we? Mate, we've been going for three hours. hours. Yeah. No, no, I get that. But like with Steve, and Steve is a man who is self-isolating and probably needs to go and rest up. (laughs) No, 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 wait, wait. So no, no. Where did I drop off at? Uh, You dropped off at the stuff about the thing. The thing. Okay, thanks. No, so no. It was about. Um, it, it was at the point where John was in Ultimate Fighter, and oh, wow. you weren't happy about how he performed. I wasn't happy for so. And, and, and so, first in December, yeah, first he was talking about first December when he fought when he fought that um, that foreign kid. Um, was it uh, Lukaku? Oh, the Frank show. I'm going to set a five a five minute timer on this as I do with my okay. kids. So right. Terry, you've got. I'll blitz it. Four right. minutes. Four minutes. All right, stop talking then. (laughs) Look, with with me and John, I always talk with John about this, right? Get your level of work up and we'll figure out what punches you want to throw in that level of work. And I think sometimes he gets with trainers that fall in love with him being athletic, strong, fit, this, that, and the other, and they try and recreate him as a boxer. And you're like, no, no, don't do that, right? Let's, let's, Let's just solve problems with the skill set that we currently have and let's enhance that. And I think that's where he fell over in the Ultimate Boxer, where he joined a trainer who tried to turn him into this long-range back foot boxer, which isn't what John needs to be. John needs to be in the middle of the ring. 
And that counter left hook is a game changer because he's damn strong and he's damn powerful. And, I, and so my frustration has always been that he gets a bad press, but I just think he's, we don't have enough trainers in Britain that understand what athletic boxers need. And I don't think he's the only one that's suffering from that. No, because if you look at it in logical terms, what he achieved as an amateur, and when I say what he achieved as a pro, he beat Chris Healy by a couple of rounds, he dropped around to Phil Williams. You know, we're, we're talking about, you don't expect that from somebody of that amateur pedigree. You don't. I don't. Yeah, but, damn right I don't. Yeah. You don't expect that. And that's, it's a shame. I don't know whether he's finished now or whether he's carrying on, but... No, he'll carry on. You know, um, he'll carry on. He, we speak. We speak once a week. And it's yeah, a, see, it's he's a, a nice guy. I hope he, hope he turns it around. I mean, I hope he turns it around. Right, he, I'm going to yeah. draw a line under there. Listen, guys, good to speak with you all. Steve, I, I wish you all the best. I'm not going to see you for ring talk this week. No, you're... We'll seeing, I'm, I'm, I'm locked down for probably three months, I think. Like that. <laughs> yeah. This, this so. is you ring let, talk. You let me know. You let me know when you're good. I will do. I will do. Terry, good to speak to you, my friend. As always, man, we need to do beers, man. Stop ducking me. Yeah, you and Andy I'm, need to stop ducking me. As soon as I'm out of isolation, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely catch up for a beer. Now, make sure. <laughs> yeah, 100%. 100%. All right, we'll do man. a group chat over beer. Yeah, sounds like a good thing. <laughs> Guys, take care. Everybody. All right, take care. Take care, Steve. Right. Good man. Bye. Terry. Mate. Oh, Jesus. Wow. What a session. Yeah, fucking hell. Like, this is why we right. always overran. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave you to put this out. All right, then, yeah. Um, yeah, I should be able to do that. Andy dropped off that half an hour ago because he had uh, other commitments. But uh, No yeah. worries. All right, mate, you take the care. I'll speak to you soon. The last half hour is your exclusive. I love you, man. You take care. You too, you man. Take care. You and your loved one. Speak to you soon, all right? Take care. All right, mate. Look after your loved ones, yeah? All right. Bye. Bye-bye. On joue les pulls en bulle sur un carnet invisible On chante avec des pulls en défi impossible Dans une main la colombe, dans l'autre le galet J'ai beau tendre les bras, je ne trouve pas de On joue les funambules sur un carnet invisible on jongle avec des bulles, on défile un